Hey everybody, it's your host David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast polarizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. And uh, just letting you know that we have another reaction video right after my words right here. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. Yes, it is a video. You can actually watch it on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, you can watch just the reaction video or the entire episode breakdown it includes the video in the beginning also. Uh, after the reaction video, obviously we go into the title sequence and then we go into the episode and I really do hope you enjoy it. And again, if you do head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But also if you happen to like something, if you happen to not like something, or you think we could have done something better or, uh, maybe we missed something. Let us know. The rating system is kind of a way of communicating with us. It's the best way, actually. And you should do this after every episode because it really does help. And I really, really appreciate it if you do. Uh, another thing, there's a very interesting call to action in this episode that I'm curious to see who will actually take on. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is here. I want to encourage you to listen to the entire episode, obviously, because, you know, that's how we do. But if, in fact, you can find the thing that I want you to find in one of our podcasts, regardless of whether or not it's right, you will receive five t-shirts from the merch store. Yes, that's how insane this call to action is. It's pretty insane. So if you can do it, you'll get something out of it. And, you know, just letting you know ahead of time so that you, you listen to the entire episode and you hear the call to actions. Uh, other than that, uh, we got the title sequences for, sorry, the title descriptions for the next couple of episodes. And we let you know near the end of the podcast that uh, Talking Dead will be back for the next episode, as well as we they will be taking a break from Memorial Day weekend and coming back with the last two. So I hope you enjoy that. I hope you enjoy this breakdown of this episode. And without further ado, here it is. I can't wait to see all these visuals. Okay, yeah, that's that's a nightmare right now. Did the arms just come off? Oh, gross! <laughs> Ooh! Oh, there's like walkers in the future. Where's where's my baby? <laughs> where's my baby? Oh, man, I think it took a swing. Hey, she pulled like a, a iris, <laughs> but did it right. <laughs> We just bought this place a few months ago. But now there's stairs. <laughs> hey, Max. Let us in. Max? Max. Like Annie and Max. Max. I know, but if I hadn't slept out this time, she'd be possible by now. Husk Chub? Husk, husk, husks. Is it like empties? Another TWD World Beyond reference. I mean, you know, not really the first one, but. Why are you old? Oh, shit. Older Max. He looks so good. He looks so close to, to like younger self, Max. Oh, this is beautiful. And like as it peels out, it's like, oh, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying too. <laughs> you know what's coming. Whoa, that was cool. Dude, dude. It was like right behind her and then like the horse went by. <laughs> wow, look what they did. Is it pink because of the silt? 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 <laughs> Can't say silt. You okay? No! She's not okay! It's Grace. How do you know about her? Because I am her. <laughs> Idiot. Grace? 
But it's receding hairline, right? Because <laughs> it was there. We saw it in TWD. Got way too much hair now. Can't be. Are you sure it's me? This is fucking crazy. When last, people don't get what they wish for. Yeah, exactly. That's the guy she Sometimes she would love to. She meet had you the bro. thing with. I'm telling her. At least until we know what's going on. Right, she might disintegrate right then and there. Morgan. This is Charlie, my apprentice. You know who Char older Charlie looks like? Who played Lois on Smallville? Daniel? You don't happen to be a barber, do you? Oh my you fuck. Go for this. We all are. Maybe the next thing you bring him will actually be able to give a decent haircut. <laughs> oh man, I love these guys as old men. Are they actually... Oh, with the cardigan? Oh, I could eat him up. Really? It's Austin's awesome, uh, son? Yeah, I will stop at the seat store on my run this afternoon. Oh my god, what a cutie! And the boy over there, that's John. Oh, fuck you! Fucking my heart and everything in it! Because John saved hey. him. And where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> we found her. Long after Athena was born. Is that Dr. Denise? She fixed up the burnout stadium that she lived at with her mom. Get the fuck out of here. West went with her. Signs. Why would they do this to a Cadillac? It's just like... Oh, snap! Okay, Groundhog Day. Let's reboot. Oh, that's so cool. Is that Virginia's for Lovers t-shirt coming up? Yeah, don't mess with Texas. Sorry, never mind. That's why I thought that. Not much of a reaction video. <laughs> Belong to my <laughs> bitch. I am your mom. Oh, she's wearing the headphones in real life, but that's dangerous. But look how the walkers are showing up in her dream. Is that where things go to die? It's not gonna make a difference. No, you're here somewhere. But you are here. You're in her belly. She's <laughs> gonna reach out and grab Morgan's stick and start fighting. Or I really break this. <laughs> Young lady. <laughs> you listen to your mother. <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> She's really mean to her newfound daughter. Oh boy. She sounds like a baby. She's like, So you can be born. Okay. All right. That was sweet. Fine. You got me. I'm sorry. I took the tape recorder. It's a Walkman. It's a Walkman, Grace. Talk about talk about out of touch. There's so much I want to know. You will. You'll know. Oh, it's the one from the vet's office. It's the horse. Look how she's holding her belly. It's like she's there. He keeps saying break it down. He did that in the last episode, too. They just reused the audio. It's cheaper that way. Call back to season five. Bird box. Bird box. <laughs> Bird box. Damn, you gotta be so violent. <laughs> it ruined the place. And over that key you're wearing. That, that's kind of cool. Sent two friends after him, and he didn't. Oh, so Neil did the double dip. <laughs> I'm guessing you had something to do with why none of them came back. Damn, son. Wow! He's like, ow! Ooh. <laughs> oh, Riley! 
No! No! No, no, no! No, no, no! Oh, no! No! Morgan. I love him smiling. You know what it is, Morgan. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, Alicia's there. Do it! Hurry, hurry, hurry. Do what she said. Mm. Mm. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't know no face. No long face. I don't understand. She, sa she saved her life. How are we going to cover this episode? <sighs> don't, don't, you dare end here. Yep. Have you seen this buoy? Why are you here? That's what we said would happen! We're going to have to do the theory video. Soon. <laughs> Walking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we make deep. <laughs> I love it, you use the hands. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> In today's episode, we'll be talking about Fear the Walking Dead's 12th episode of season six, In Dreams by Roy, Roy Orbison. Mm -hmm. That's a hard name for me to say consecutively. Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison. Like, no matter how you say it, you sound drunk. Roy Orbison. Roy Ryerson. Roy Orbison. All right. I've had a lot of time to think about this, so it should be easy, but it's not. This episode episode was very beautiful to look at, if you love Pepto-Bismol, as Sharon <laughs> would say. <laughs> I she do. said there was, there was so much pink, it was starting to hurt her eyes a little bit, but um, no, I, I get it. I get it. There was a lot of pink, and I noticed it right away, obviously, but it didn't necessarily bother me because, it to me, personally, it just made it feel more more dreamy, right? Because these vibrant colors are not seen in real life. So it's clear to me that Grace is, is in a dream state. I didn't really feel a whole lot of movement in this episode, like as far as driving the story forward. Yes, we see Riley get the key from Morgan, and that's obviously going to have some consequences to it. But, but other than that, I mean, it was just sort of tragic. The connection that Grace had with her baby and, you know, and I do believe she was having this moment with Athena. I do think that it was real. But then it just ended so tragically, and it's like, you know, I get to the end of the episode, and I'm like, well, well then why? And it almost makes me a little bit mad, if not Again, for the sad. I trust the writers. I do. I trust. I put my life in their hands, and I trust that they are taking us someplace, and that this is going to be important, you know, it maybe in a later episode, even next season. Who knows? At the end of this one, I had more, more questions than I did at the beginning. I can't say it was a great episode. I can't. I feel wrong. I feel wrong saying that. It was a good episode based on the outcome i 
can't feel pumped about it. You know what I mean? Like it just, it makes me feel wrong to be excited about it. And this is probably what you're trying to say is my gut tells me like, wow, this is a great episode. But then you start to realize, oh, but a lot of shit happens. Uh, yeah. A lot of bad shit, a lot of sad shit. A lot of what we had invested during the watch through it, <laughs> realizing, oh, wow, this is a vision of the future I'd like to happen, possibly. Yeah. Right? Yes. And then and in rewatching it, knowing what happens at the end, it's even sadder mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Ha us having to rewatch it to get notes makes some of the turns that happen, the realization that she's in a dream, the realize realization that, oh, her daughter is the only real thing in this dream, sharing mm -hmm. this vision with her. And then you, you, you realize what the implications are too, in that this whole world, this whole dream was built technically by her mother for her daughter to give her the life that she will never have. As Grace seems to be leaving the barn, you know, after Morgan takes out Riley in this dream sequence, I see a great Grace that says goodbye. It reads more like I'm saying goodbye to you. Thank you for everything. Yeah, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my life, daughter. Now you you got this feeling in the dream? In the dream sequence. Okay. See like if it, it feels like she's saying goodbye to her, like, oh, I'm going up there to give you life. But when you watch it again, it, it to give this, Athena this, life. Yeah. But there's That's, this yeah, okay. Yeah. There's this distinct feeling that Grace knows that this is the last time I'm going to see you. Oh, because yes. you're not going to be here. You're see, not going to be here, Athena. Grace had already come to terms with the fact that she was not going to survive giving birth. So I, I agree with you. I saw her saying goodbye as well, but I saw Grace accepting that she wasn't going to get to know Athena because she wasn't going to survive. She knew, I, you know, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to let you be born. But then that's it. That's all the time I'm going to have with you. Yeah, no, I get I get that. <laughs> I put my brain in post-watch, Dave, <laughs> for the second one. And then I said, the feeling behind her words in that moment, I felt like maybe even Karen David, having read the script, she can't help but feel the sadness of knowing the end. This is me projecting, but it feels like if you do put your brain in that in that mode, like you, you can genuinely see this. First of all, goodbye to this dream, because it's never going to happen. Oh, but also, goodbye, daughter. You won't be here when, when this dream is done. Like the Roy Orbison song. Mm -hmm. Like she, she can only see her in dreams do you think we may see athena again in some way i hope so i like really the, the enjoyed this actress as the yeah. adult yeah exactly it really... feels kind of like a waste <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed this actress. I do hope that we see her again. Now, Athena says something to Grace. I wish I would have written this line down, and maybe you did. And Grace says to Athena, these might be the only moments I have with you. And then Athena says just the opposite. At that moment, to me, I saw Athena realizing she wasn't going to make it. She knew what was going on, and Grace didn't. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, okay. I wished I'd written it down, too, and yeah. I don't know if I did. I don't know if I did. Grace herself knows what's going on going on too. She says this to Morgan. She says, I, I read things about the baby mm -hmm. taking mm -hmm. the brunt of the radiation. And, mm -hmm. you know, I knew, I knew what would happen. And I, I knew there was a possibility it wouldn't come to term. And mm -hmm. she said this out loud and Morgan goes, nah, <laughs> she just yeah. kind of goes, nah, nah, nah. whatever it's, you said. It's brought, nah. up, <laughs> it's brought up several times that the baby could be in danger. June brings up all the complications <sighs> that could be happening. When she stops breathing, June comes on again. The uh, comment that Grace makes, the very first thing we see in this episode, the very first thing we see, vultures circling. And then it cuts and then it cuts to Grace and it cuts back to the sky and the vultures are gone. So, you know, even if it wasn't vultures, let's say, because I saw, I thought hawks. I didn't really think vultures. But even if it was haw hawks, okay, what would you what Still carrion. Yeah, exactly. What did yeah, we learn from still the Walking Dead World Beyond? Right. They're carrying, you right. know, so they'll eat other birds. They'll eat exactly. carcass. So they'll eat meat. We saw death 
Immediately. That's a really cool observation. One of the biggest questions I had throughout this episode that I, I'm still not sure of, I haven't really given it too much thought, but I kind of came to a resolution was, what was the point of bringing Riley into the dream? What I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around is, how does Grace know what Riley looks like? Because what I said was, she hears Morgan on the radio, she knows someone's after them. She can hear their voices, because she's, you know, still present. Sure, she hears Morgan say, oh, I think they found us. So it makes sense that something would appear in the dream. What I couldn't come to terms with is that she doesn't know what Riley looks like. So it shouldn't have been, it should have just been like a voice, not him. <laughs> okay. Well, let me backtrack on that okay. at least, because even I thought, okay, how did, how did, how does she know what he looks like? Yeah. Okay, fine. But she does. Riley and his crew are following Grace and Morgan. They come across that car, that car. Cadillac mm -hmm. in the dream, and yep. the explosion does happen. So she does see him at some point and the crew. So the vision she has of Riley walking up, that could have been real. That yeah. could have been all she saw of him in, in real life, walking towards her and Morgan after the explosion. And so that's what relays in the dream that makes total sense we just didn't see it happen so we have to assume that's what happened because it's too ethereal and 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 you're yeah. lost between the dream world and the real world i'd wager a guess that we'd see more of the dream world than we did the real world oh oh for on sure purpose it almost seems as though the dream world is less ethereal than real life because in the scenes where morgan is trying to wake her up it's that seems a lot more dreamy and and fragmented you know he's going to the window it's and it goes right back to the dream oh. and so it's it's this weird reversal of reality where Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course the dream is a lot more bright it's a lot more cohesive it's a lot more steady but in that when was the last time you had a dream and it was that cohesive and that straightforward and people aren't disappearing and other people are taking their place never never yes there are fragments of things that you have seen in real life that you can put mm -hmm. into the thing and even though you see people or shapes of people or faces in your dream they're so not concrete it's your brain basically assigning oh that's sharon d <laughs> or mm -hmm. that's rachel but it's not really mm -hmm. rachel you look at them and you're assuming that's generally that looks like what rachel would look like so that's rachel right so you, you know right. what i mean so but in this yeah. dream it's so clear and she's assigned them old age. And I, I said this in the live watch, but I didn't include it in the reaction video. I said like, is this some sort of spooky beta shit where like, is the dream bigger than the dream? Is the dream more than just a dream? And the reason why I took that out is because at the end, you're left thinking, obviously Athena didn't survive. Obviously the dream she interpreted to have one meaning has another meaning. Athena not surviving the pregnancy, it almost makes you want to invalidate everything that happened. There's a part of you that's kind of like, what was this all for? Like when you find out a whole episode with somebody's dream and you're like well what the fuck at least this time we knew it was a dream to begin with so we were looking for stuff that could be useful to us we didn't finish our riley conversation because what what does riley represent why does he show up in the dream he obviously comes back as a walker and he keeps coming at her but what do you think that means though because each each of those things in the dream like each of the people that are there let's take for example and we'll throw this out there just to get it out of the way but like daniel and victor having a relationship they don't mm -hmm. have one now <laughs> sherry and dwight they don't have a relationship and yet here in the dream they have two kids there's also june and charlie having a working relationship where in season four no matter what john and she tried to do they couldn't get her to cop mm -hmm. on now she's the doctor's apprentice that was the other relationship and it goes along with what you're describing the the relationships that we see between these people who maybe in the present time aren't on good terms it well except june and charlie they're they're okay but it's a dream so grace is seeing what she wants to see she wants these relationships mended and she wants riley dead <laughs> and to look like a walker mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and but and yet he's not right but, but he keeps coming not out dead, at her. yeah 
I have a theory. What does Riley want to do in real life? What's his like, main mission with going after Morgan? The key. He wants the key. Okay. What's his main mission in the dream? The key. Who? But what is the key in the dream? Athena's wearing the key. Well, but it's rich. She's but it's not really actually. Athena. She's not actually wearing the key. She is. She is until he out. says it. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. We don't then, see it until the next scene. Yeah. It's nowhere to be found until he says it, and then she goes, "Yeah, I have it right here." But really, Athena is the key. Athena is the cost of peace. Athena is why we should have known that she was going to be the one to get it to. Athena having died is the cost of peace, unfortunately. And therefore, Morgan shouldn't have given away the key probably to Riley. This is the thing that bugs me, um, right? All would you of, have it... told Grace no in that moment? Because she, no. she was hella scary. <laughs> what did I say in the reaction? I said, do what she said. Yeah, yeah, do what yeah, she yeah, said. Give it to him. Give it to him, Morgan. Yeah, just hurry. Hurry. Don't, hurry up. Don't. And he's like, okay. Okay. So I would have yeah. done the same thing, obviously. Had it been you, because it wouldn't be Evelyn. Uh, like, you, it's not my baby, right? So, right, right. So, yeah, math works. Uh, but... <laughs> I think Riley is one of five. So I was thinking the four horsemen behind Riley, who is death. Okay. But not exactly, because what are Grace's four horsemen? One of them is the irradiated walker, Ron Dealey. Okay, because you see his dosimeter in mm. one, of, one of her flash scenes. Mm -hmm. And we actually know Ron Dealey. We actually know Ron Dealey from, from Grace's first appearance, mm -hmm. because we see the walker of Ron Dealey. And, and the same walker that was in that episode, That I, it's the one that they had to check the dosimeter to make sure he was okay. And then he, they put him on a tarp and then they shot him once they figured it out. And I started to figure out, what is that name and why do I know it? So that's a little bit of a callback. Um, but you see Ron Dealey is the one trying to grab at the bird box in this episode. Okay. And then he later, obviously when Riley comes in, he joins them. The four mm -hmm. horsemen are basically kind of sort of representing what are the things that are trying to kill Grace slash the baby in real life. I, I want to square all the circles by saying, number one, Grace definitely had what is called ionizing radiation poisoning. I looked this up. Most forms of radiation, the mother will take the brunt of it and the placenta will actually protect the baby, except for what is most mm. common is ionizing radiation. Most common nuclear power plants is ionizing radiation. The mother can take up to 0.5 grays, no problem, but even 0.1 grays starts to affect the baby. The baby absorbs the radiation on behalf of the mother. So that's interesting, but tragic. And mm -hmm. it's something that Grace was essentially right about when she was talking to Maury. She's like, I don't know. Right. I thought this would, it would be the baby and she you know she would you know she wouldn't survive and she was no no just you so <laughs> so right so essentially Athena acted as a radiation sponge inside of Grace. Yeah, but there are many great things about this dream. But one of the more interesting great things is that Athena being this protector, Athena being capable, Athena being the kind of person that will rise up in spite of her father's warning, the, the kind of person <laughs> that will take on going to the feed store for Morgan in his old age. She literally represented fighting to, to keep her mother alive. So she, she was the thing that kept Grace alive. Even at that point where Morgan puts down death in her mm -hmm. dream and Morgan's this is basically about around the point where Morgan stops really doing CPR I think these are all the things that are trying to kill Grace in that moment there's a lot of things there could be the stress of childbirth there's radiation there's there's literal death in the form of Riley the threatening the explosion among other things you're talking about concussive blasts and I didn't include this in my notes but the problem with concussive blasts is that it really does more damage to your insides than your outsides so there's that everything was stacked against this baby for 
from the ionizing radiation to the concussive blasts, it really didn't stand much of a chance. So in that, the baby essentially says, even when Grace passes out or when Grace Grace's heart gives out, I think the heart, Athena's heart kept Grace alive. Sure. I think she did so many things. I said in the reaction video, I was kind of joking, but... Like, oh, Athena's going to pop her hand out and grab Morgan's stick and start fighting <laughs> Riley. You know, like, just like the little baby hand. <laughs> like, but literally that could have happened. I've been like, yeah, I believe it. Because yeah. everything Athena's doing here is is emblematic of like what she's doing to protect Grace. And in turn, Grace builds this world in which she could live the life she was denied retroactively. And so just like we can't say this, this wasn't a great episode, I can't say that this was a pointless episode. There's a significant enough contingent of people that say this episode went nowhere i didn't like it and i have nothing against them if what you're interested in is pure plot and how this moves the story forward which is a new thing i think in the last 20 years I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all we usually had on TV is sitcoms. We didn't have stories in television that spanned, you know, many different episodes and arcs. Man, half the time when we grew up, facts that were true in one episode are completely untrue in others, except for like the usual, what is called a running gag. Mm -hmm. You know, like the character has a foible that is the basically the makeup of who they are. You know, or like the Fonz had the, he'd hit the machine and start working. The Fonz, no, I, I say the Fonz because yeah. that's like pinnacle turning point in television you know he goes hey and then he snaps his fingers whoa that <laughs> that was his thing that's the only thing that was true things like his nana being alive and then her, his nana being in an episode <laughs> like uh, two seasons later it, it, having you know being alive you know and talking to her and, and learning a lesson from her along the way those facts are inconsistent <laughs> Right. But everything else, yeah, everything else is inconsistent, except for the foibles. Even the arc concept hadn't really come around to like shows like you'd have some of those things in Star Trek, the next generation, let's say. Mm. Okay, that is when that the arc concept first came about. Okay, you introduce a Borg because they were going to go down the route of serial episode by episode would be a completely different situation until like the Borg came. And then when the Borg came, changed everything because then they had to deal with the Borg along the way in separate parts of the season. They come they mm. they go back to the formula again when smallville came around that took the arc into a whole new arena every episode was added on to the last and then there was the, you'd build these season-long arcs that had the, a beginning and an end like talk about john glover and you'd have shows like the shield where it was all about arcs multiple arcs going across separate seasons and then you had shows like the wire same thing oz 2000s right and so now we're, we're getting to the 2021s and we're like ah this episode sucks <laughs> uh, it doesn't move the story forward. People, you have no idea how good you have it. But here's the thing. That's okay. I think it's a good thing when we realize that, like, television has reached a point where it gave us something that if it takes it away... <laughs> We get mad. Well, on certain shows, yes. I mean, there. I still watch a lot of shows that are one episode contained, and then the next one. I mean, the you know maybe the main characters have small little storylines that don't really matter, but the main focus is what happens each episode. But you know, you're like this SVU, show, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of them. Yeah. Bones, SVU, CSI, yeah. Criminal Minds, all of them. All the they have like a tiny right? little arc that that's like not right. significant that kind of goes through. Yeah. Right. But this show, the whole thing is just a big arc. I mean. There are no episodes where you get a beginning, middle, and end. This stuff happens, and then we don't see the end of it for five more episodes. But then we have all these other questions. But then maybe maybe we answer a question from three episodes ago in this yeah. one. All the episodes do have to intertwine. You have to watch 
the whole show. Furthermore, this is the type of season where you're not going to get the mm. usual kind of exposition from each character along a single episode. You're, you're literally getting the point of view from one, maybe two characters. So this season has all been like anthologies or dual anthologies. You have one main character and focus on a secondary character who kind of plays into it. And let's address one of those, those answers right away. Like one of the things that we said in the last episode, <laughs> which I completely like yarned a complete theory out of, was, you know, how does Riley know, or how does Derek or all the Enders know about Morgan Jones? And you had said it outright. It's the key. It's all about the key. They were the ones who hired Emil to get Walter, or get the key from Walter at least, but Emil's a bounty hunter. Of course he's going to kill Walter. And then Morgan kills Emil. Virginia and he talk about it on the radio. He goes, oh, you're dealing with somebody else now. The Enders go, oh, is that right? <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess we're dealing with you now. Somebody else, Morgan Jones, I don't know. I'm looking for you, and I'm going to find the key, and then I'm going to go home. I know it sounds weird. As much as we are like they drank all the kool-aid like <laughs> these enders right riley is not interested in murder riley no. is just is just interested in the key i find that fascinating because one of the things that we see often on the walking dead is like i don't care boom 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 now i'll get the key with as much as their philosophy is like either you're live or dead you're still the walk you're still the walking dead the difference is are you with teddy there's still like this i don't care about killing you i don't care about keeping you alive whereas most characters are like yeah okay let me get the thing by killing you can i get the thing okay well then you're dead anyway yeah. i don't care even if i get it you're dead he should have killed him he should have killed morgan but and grace in that moment and what does he and what does he keep saying about the key it's going to change everything i'm still on team riley i think he's going to surprise us i think he i don't think he's a bad guy i think he's working a long con <laughs> you're like a boat or a pickup truck and i'm just in the i'm in the flatbed i'm like yep I may not be in the passenger seat, but I'll hitch a ride. <laughs> I will hitch a ride on this boat. It doesn't I'll take cost the scenic me. view. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't cost me anything. I'll be like, you know, I'll just I'll take. And if you're right, I'll be like, take next stop, please. <laughs> so drop me off at this town. <laughs> like you can go. There you go. Bye. <laughs> Good question. Lonnie's saying, I wonder if Riley's the secret that Strand was talking about. He says to Alicia at the end of Handle with Care, I, mm -hmm. I have to show you what I'm working on. She's assigning a specific person rather than a specific plan of action to what that is going to entail. And she's right. We don't know what Strand has planned for this group. We don't know how much he knows. We don't know all the intel that Virginia's collected over the course of weeks when she was trying to get yeah. John. Or I don't even know if she was necessarily trying to get John back. It sounds like with um, Marcus trying to look for him that he was, but I think only in as much to find Dakota, not mm. John. Ginny could have been compi compiling information on the Unders for, for who knows how long. She might have stacks and stacks of, of papers you know, at her office in Lawton that Strand's going through now and getting all this information. I still think it was very threatening how he said it. I'll just have to show you. I saw it as more like, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Why won't you trust me? Because Come on, you're Alicia. Strand. You don't have a good track record of being trusted, so no one's going to trust you. That's us, though. Alicia and him have a have a good working relationship. Or do so they? We thought, I, yeah, well, not I, now. Right? Yeah. I. <laughs> but mm. just. But you know what's interesting about that? Now I'm thinking of Daryl and Carol in a way because you could say the same thing. Do they? And yet, Strand and Alicia will always have a special relationship, no matter what happens on the surface. Well, it's yeah, because it's just the way Strand, the show is done. Strand it. knew. Strand knew Madison. And so 
Alicia and Strand have the Mad Madison connection. Strand saved Alicia's life. When the oily walkers caught fire, Strand basically put his hand in the fire to save Alicia's life. So that's something that you can't erase. The burnt hand is a reminder to Strand always of the good that he's capable of doing. Try as he might. Do you remember he was holding that concrete pebble for the longest time mm -hmm. as a reminder of how much he fucked up? Mm -hmm. But then he could give it up. As soon as he realized it's not about how much I fucked up. It's about what I can do now. Now he looks at the other hand. He takes off the glove and he says, this is, this is the cost. Cause he had that stupid glove on for most of the season. You're like, yeah. come on, Michael Jackson. <laughs> the jig is up, buddy. <laughs> I thought it was like just a cool statement. And then like you find out later, it's like, oh, it's to cover his embarrassment or it's, it's to cover it. It's, a, it's an ugly little thing, you know? All right, so Lonnie is saying, I'm still wondering if Madison is still alive somewhere. It never showed her death. Just the gates closed and on fire. It makes me wonder if Madison hid somewhere in the Strand Founder. In Strand Founder? Oh, okay. That's interesting. That would be, <laughs> that would be so muffed up if he's had her this whole time. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I have to agree. Why would he like elbow Alicia going, Alicia, I have the plan. It's your mother. Like, but he can't say it. But why can't, see, Alani, why can't he say it? Wouldn't he just run to her and say, the plan involves your mom. I want you to come see your mom. Like, mm -hmm. what? I, mm -hmm. you have to explain that before that can be okay. I don't hate the thought. Okay. So again, you're, you're tickling my little funny bones, you know, <laughs> like you're tickling my, that part of my brain that goes, maybe. So but it's not my, it's not my job to square the circles. So thank you. Sharon and I came up with the only theory that would actually work. The only way she would have survived because everybody knows what it looked like. She was inside the doors. There were arms coming through the doors. The walkers were surrounding her this way. There was, there was no dumpster for her to hide under. There was right. no place for her to go. Right. The only way she's getting out of this is if Isabel comes over in her helicopter, drops down a ladder and Madison <laughs> grabs the ladder and then they fly away. <laughs> I can easily tell you so many ways. <laughs> See, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I can eat, I can tell you so many ways that Madison can escape this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But that's the thing. It doesn't matter. If the show thinks there is greater meaning to having her off of it, that's just what's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. And I have to be okay yeah. with that. And if they find a way to bring her back, they better be good. Better make and, sense. Yeah, yeah. It better make sense. Yeah. That's my only request. And in bringing her back, you don't shift other characters who have been building up slowly mm. into, fo into focus. I'm talking about Alicia here, bumping her out of focus, or maybe even in bringing her back, slingshotting her into so much focus that we're like, yeah, that's, that's the, we needed that. We needed Madison to come back to give Alicia more prominence, not less. We say this all because in the last week, it, the titles for the, f for the final episodes, one of them is called Mother, mm -hmm. which people have been saying is Madison. And I'm gonna be like, no, it's no. not Madison. It's I'm not. gonna, I'm ready to say that right out, right. It's not Madison. No I'd way. Put money on it. No how. I think everybody's on this train that is eventually gonna I think, derail. I think they did it on purpose. They, oh, they yeah. named that episode "Mother" for this conversation, for this reaction, for the Madisons. It's gonna have to do with somebody's mother, but not Madison. If Madison does come back, it's not gonna be in that episode. I actually had a really good thing on this one because there's a, there's a perfect way, a perfect way where Kim Dickens herself can say, there have been, there's been no talk of me coming on. I've, even if they talk to me, I'm busy and I'm not. She said something to the effect of, and this was confirmed by even the people who want her to come back. They say, 
we 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 reached out for an interview to, uh, for Matt, for Kim Dickens. This was a couple weeks ago. Oh, and she said the following: I have not been contacted. Nobody has talked to me. I've not signed any forms. I'm not showing up in this season. Effectively, I'm not. However, there's only one thing to me that would make sense in all of this. We're talking about an episode called In Dreams. It is obviously a dream. It is a fantasy concoction. There's some trippy shit that happens throughout this episode that is like that would not normally happen in reality. Walkers that can talk. Walkers that use knives to stab people. <laughs> Although season one <laughs> did have some of that with the with the rock that the that the walker uh. throws through the window and the where the vatos yeah. are i think or something like that i can't remember which walkers that can climb fences so <laughs> However, what one can do, let's say the Enders are all about psychedelics. You can't have the visual of Madison, but nobody said Kim, Dip Kim Dickens hadn't been either contacted about doing a little voiceover. Now, my, my tagline for this is, you might not get what you want, but you might like what you get. <laughs> and in that, you may get this little voiceover with Kim Dickens as Madison's voice in this particular episode in Alicia's ears as she's going through a trippy hallway or some sort of visual scene trying to confront all of these feelings that she has about being here. Because the, the Enders are all about confronting what do you see? What do you see? What does it all mean? Why are we mm -hmm. here? So I, I have a feeling that she's stuck and she's having to confront all these things. It's as if the world is going to stop right now for you to have this rapid development, Alicia. <laughs> and maybe some of that does involve Kim Dickinson's voiceover. I can, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Again, as long as it, it makes sense. Yeah, as and that's the only sense. That's the easiest way to, for it to make sense. Again, you might not get what you want, but you're going to like what you get. <laughs> Isn't that f season six in a nutshell? You might not yeah. get what you want, but you'll like what you get. Alani is wondering if it could be John's mother. Hmm? We, we don't hear about her very much. I was trying to remember if he ever at, at, at some point said that she had passed away. He didn't. He didn't. Charity's saying, okay, I do remember him talking about his mom and what it was like after his dad left, but I couldn't remember how her story ended or if it did. But there were a couple of cool things in this episode that I thought were, were kind of interesting. Well, I don't know about cool, but like it, even in the dream sequence, you have Alicia, Wes, and Luciana. <laughs> going to the diamond refurbishing it as part of like you know just a kind of return to safety another community with which to build and grow and not being limited to everybody going stir crazy in the dam even bringing things like this back make us go oh oh where where is she with wes i wonder what they're doing <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know and then dr dory obviously i can picture sharon D right now oh doctor, uh... oh, me oh my god and it was kind of cool she still she had this slightly fuller Melissa McBride wig, which yes. which Alania pointed out during the live watch. Melissa McBride's wig is not that full and curly and wavy. You know what I mean? It's more like straight and frizzy and which is not it's not bad. It looks kind of cool. But like it's not like curly and floppy and, and all that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Okay, Sharon D is saying, and look, I have to believe it. She has the main line into the <laughs> She said that was Jenna's hair, just gray. Jenna's hair is not that long. She was braided over her shoulder. Oh, it looks like her hair. Yeah, only gray. Oh, okay. Yes. So you know, yeah, it was her, you know, her, her texture. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Side eye. <laughs> it did, though. It, it did, though. Like, Jenna, it did, that it did was definitely like Jenna's texture and her curls. They, they did a good convincing job of portraying an older... I, I think a good job with everybody. I liked that her hair looked, looked happy. She didn't have sad hair. Although I did kind of wonder if, like, after 16 years... Listen, <laughs> let's take a couple steps back, because we, we have to remember, this is Grace's idyllic dream. It doesn't involve a life lived. So when you're thinking to yourself, what would make June happy? 
Oh, maybe finding love again. But here's the thing. You can't risk pissing off fans who just lost John. But at least you can find satisfaction. And in that, she has an apprentice, Charlie. You get distracted by the Charlie long enough, you're like, oh, I don't think about her having a man. We don't know for sure, but I don't think she did anyway, because as Sharon D's pointing out, June was wearing his hat and his ring and her rings for that matter. So I don't I don't think there was another man in, in the dream. <laughs> You know, and if there actually, was, he was extremely understanding man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> she could just wear all the bling. She could wear the new ring and the old rings, and she'd be like, yeah, yeah. look at my rings, bitch. <laughs> I, I've lived <laughs> a life. <laughs> I have John's <laughs> ring. <laughs> but again, we have to remind ourselves, this is Grace's ideal. In her dream, she has a certain level of, what Charity says, purpose and satisfaction. And it doesn't need to have a man, and it does it not need to have. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Either way, they're happy. They're Dr. Dory. They have status. They're wise. They're teaching. They're giving to the next generation there's something to that i find it quite nice to know that there is a clinic in the dam it's called a clinic and the vet clinic is also called a clinic and then there's also a third thing they're on their way to june's new hospital or like the emerging hospital that she's trying to build <laughs> in either scenario june's on her way somehow and yeah. i find that kind of cool because like even with jenny gone even with john gone she's just picking up the pieces and saying, I just want to do good in the world. Well, I, I'm assuming, based on the events of this episode, that I just want to do good in this world. That shouldn't have to change. And in that, maybe I'll find some way of moving on, moving forward. I'm just really pissed off that we saw aged up Sarah and her scene got cut from the episode. We need her her scene released. Release Sarah's scene. Release the Collins cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I also thought to myself, and here's why. Because in that photo, what is she holding? A beer. Okay. She's brewing. But now I wonder this. I wonder if they, first of all, I mean, I'm sure they had to cut for time because they did go over again. Yeah. They've been going over every week. They could have cut like a minute of the pink trees and put Sarah in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I can easily see why they would do it. Okay, because a couple of reasons. One <laughs> is, does having her in the scene, is it a little too much? Because of course, it's going to be the running gag of, I still can't get the recipe right, but I'm, I'm still going to try. You know, like, that's what I think in my head. Like, even after all 16 years, she just doesn't get the formula right. But, but here's the thing. The reaction video that I did is all fun and games until we get to the end or near the end. After that, I, it made me want to cut out so much from the beginning because it's like I need to have some sort of balance, even though it still overwhelmingly laughs. And so like in that, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe because Wendell's not there, obviously he's not in the photo. Mm -hmm. And then if Wendell's not there, what are we thinking? The kids are not there. So if we have all these elements and then we're, it, it makes the missing elements that much more questionable. Cause I was thinking who else is missing? Where's, I even was thinking, where's Dakota and all this, but still, I mean, I don't know. The proposal was to be there and she would be at the dam. But if you take as many people away, I mean, we're showing people that we're in conflict. June is in conflict because she had, John was ripped away from her. Daniel and Strand are in conflict because of their relationship. I mean, they have none, but it's mostly adversarial sherry and dwight are supposed to be together but they can't be for some reason and so what does sarah have conflict with nobody like she's just trying to get wendell back and now they could have shown wendell and had a little banter scene but then i'm thinking to myself you know how something steals thunder like it would take away from the overall story that they're trying to tell i can see why they could maybe want to take that out again i trust the show i'm not running the show they know what they're doing i don't but it doesn't make me any less upset about not seeing an extra scene with mo in it <laughs> Hey, I'm just, you know what? I'm just glad we got the photo. Yeah. And that, yeah. by the way, that, that alone with her and the beer bottle, I got to think of a whole story about her still not getting it right. And so I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. See, and I, and I was I thinking think right. she finally got it. Oh, she no. She finally never. got it. That's what makes it so much. I think Grace has that sense of humor. <laughs> 
<laughs> that she would think of a future where she still doesn't get it right, but Sarah doesn't care and she's happy anyway. And I think that's kind of cool, right? Like I can yeah. never get Jim's recipe right, but every new batch reveals a new taste, like a new gross <laughs> taste or something. <laughs> yeah, I decided to oh, put God. mustard in this one. Mustard seed. Ew. This is terrible. And Wendell's like, you need to stop. You need to stop doing this. <laughs> It's not your passion. Oh my it's gosh. Like, I'll, I'll never stop. I'll make, Jim, I'll make Jimbo proud one day. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll point to the picture of Jimbo. She saved it all these years. Oh, that's so sweet. See, this is way better than the dream. <laughs> but one thing we do see is older Max, also yeah. along with older Charlie. And I did like that he kind of sounded like Max and it kind of looked like Max too. Like, what, what is it that you want to see also? Like, you don't want to just see older versions of Morgan. And you want to see older versions of the kids too. During the live watch, I was saying how Charlie looks like, uh, whom I figured out was the name, was Erica Durance from, from okay. Smallville. If you actually look at the actress promo photos, it does not look like her at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they made her out to kind of look like her. I thought that was kind of cool. My parents wanted a boy. So that's interesting thing. It made me think of our interview with Alexa. And one of the questions we asked her was, is Charlie short for anything? And she's like, oh, I never really even thought about it. And, da, da, da. and then we went on to this whole thing, like, is Charlie even her real name? And like, maybe she just made it up. And that line right there kind of tells us, well, at least Grace thinks it's really her name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Everything that she says might not even be canon, right? Mm -hmm. At all. And speaking of what things would look like had they had them. Okay. You have Sherry and Dwight's kids. And the first watch i was too focused on little john that i forgot about little tina in in mm -hmm. sherry's arms do you know where tina the name comes from to be fair i had i did have to ask because i'm like racking my brain trying to think of who the hell's tina tina sherry's sister we meet yeah we meet tina when dwight and sherry and tina for that matter steal daryl's bike in the woods right. When they're when we meet them the, for the first, first time. time, and the first time they're trying to run away from Negan. What was kind of a cool little tick in the corner of that is that she was a babysitter went before the apocalypse that they mentioned in the show. Uh -huh. And then John, little John, played by Austin Sun, which we yep. pointed out, which you pointed out during the live watch. And I was like, and I'm like, Austin Sun? Uh -huh. <laughs> like, and he's called John because John saved his life, technically. So there you go. Like in Hubbug's Gulch 6.0. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, of course, older Dwight kind of looks cool. I think it's funny that Grace visualizes Dwight and Sherry together when yeah. she's never actually seen them together. I'm sure she knows that they were supposed to be. It would make more sense that Raleigh was there. <laughs> <laughs> We know that they should be together because she knows this, this their story to the See, point where Dwight gives John and June his rings for their wedding to the point of him giving up on Sherry. He knows how much mm -hmm. he loves her. And she has Dwight's point of view, too. He doesn't have Sherry's point of view. So Dwight has been with this group. For That's true. Dwight loves Sherry way more than Sherry loves Dwight. Dwight's exactly. way too good for Sherry. Way too right. good for Sherry. Which influences what she wants in an ideal world. It's not about okay. what Sherry wants. <laughs> We don't know what Sherry wants. I think we, we know what Sherry wants. <laughs> she wants the D, but we didn't know if she gets it from D. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. That, I, that's sitting with me a lot better. Grace sees the love that Dwight has for Sherry. And yeah. so that comes through in the dream. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Right, right, right. And for some reason, Sherry is Carmen Sandiego. Let's, <laughs> let's put the picture. Like, you know, in a blue hat instead of a red hat. Cause it can't be that on the nose. Oh my gosh. And, and, it, what's, and here's the thing. I had time to think about this. Okay, I didn't, but I thought about it now. <laughs> 
That makes sense. Because for the longest time, where in the world is Sherry? <laughs> yeah, well. And pardon the pun, hats off to you, Jojo Casares, who, <laughs> who does this, who does the, uh, the, the costume Cast design. You. I say this because sadly, Fear the Walking Dead wrapped uh, close to a month ago, about. The, the, a month and a half ago, actually, they, they mm -hmm. stopped filming a month and a half ago. And Jojo Katsaris uh, announced that she is leaving on to greener patch, pastures after being with uh, Fear the Walking Dead for the longest time. And I think The Walking Dead, too, by the way. She's leaving the, the, the whole family. Bigger and better things. Yeah, it's important to mention her contribution and her last gag. <laughs> <laughs> the Carmen Sandiego hat for Sherry. Where in the world is Sherry? <laughs> yes. So I, I thought that was kind of a nice little farewell to Jojo. If you ever have followed her on social media, and I think you should, she has a distinct joie de vivre. She has a very special relationship with the actors. You know, they, they feed off of her just if you know if you don't know what joie de vivre it's like the joy in living she exhibits that every day and her posts were few and far between sometimes but like in some of the behind the scenes posts you can see that from her photo the last photo from john glover i've seen her with garrett dillahunt and garrett dillahunt Dilla, garrett dillahunt is always praising her for the work he that she does with the john dory costume and that's all her oh that, that vision is all her you know she decides and she goes hey ian and andrew is this okay i wasn't asking <laughs> this is okay this is what you're using <laughs> so yeah she's responsible for that iconic look so cheers to her hats off we find out grace's last name yes i was so excited for that this is the thing that's driving me mad because i feel like i've said it problem is i can't prove it <laughs> I, what, I'd her have last to... name yeah i've i have to like re-watch and i thought like i thought i might have said this in season five because we did see the decimeter and it's did say grace mu mm -hmm. all we had and, was the mu yeah and i thought at the time i just threw out a random last name and i thought i may have said that name that last name and problem is i can't prove it now without looking at hours and hours and hours of footage all over again and i thought maybe i saw it in the season five retrospective that i might have said it but i didn't want to sit, uh, sit through two hours because it's valuable time that I don't have now. So <laughs> I guess I guess we'll never know unless I really bother myself to look. If I remembered you saying it, I would have been all over it. I'd have been like, holy shit, man, you called it. I don't remember you saying that name, so I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> If anybody's watched my episodes, <laughs> like anything I've said, just just tell me. Tell me if I said it. Actually, you know what I'll do? Okay, here's what I'll do. It's official. It's official. Ready? We're going to do this now. If you can find <laughs> where I say, if I, I even if it's wrong, even if I didn't say uh, Mukherjee, if you find it, I will give you three t-shirts from the, from the merch store, from the Squawking Dead merch store. Three Holy different t-shirts. Hats off to any, anybody that could. All right, That's all right. motivation. Give me the timestamp. Give me the episode. And, and where you watched or listened to it. Wow. Three t-shirts right away. Actually, no, that's what? a motivator. I'm, I'm going to up the ante. I'll give you five t-shirts. I just want to know and I don't have to, I don't have to time to do it myself. The, the, the hint is season five, all of season five or the retrospective episode where we discuss season five. It, the, I'm giving you all of the hints. So five t-shirts, not sweaters, <laughs> not this, not five t-shirts. <laughs> no, no, time no time limit. limit. Whoever gets it just to me first. Just whenever you can find it. Exactly. And I check it first. So Alani is on the case now. She's, she's motivated. Nice. <laughs> You said you wanted merch. Now you're going to get a shit ton of it <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> Hopefully I don't send people in a wild goose chase. <laughs> shit. People listen to the hours and hours of Squawking Dead and you never even mention Grace's name. <laughs> hey, at least you got something out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Shit. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Can you imagine? I, this would be like the coolest, not cool thing to do, but like I'll send people on a wild. Say on season eight, I said something to the effect of Daryl has a hairy chest. Listen to all of season eight. Go. Oh yeah. You'll get seven sweatshirts. If you can find where I say Daryl has a hairy chest, they never find it because it doesn't yeah. exist. Oh my but, gosh. But then I've had thousands and thousands of people. Listen, hey, there's the numbers. There you go. <laughs> oh my God. There you go. See, and we were just talking about in the pre-show about doing shitty things to other people and there's no karma. There's no karma. <laughs> so, I win, you lose. I... But yeah, we, we find out her name. <laughs> it's Mookerjee. Finally. We get... And now when we tag shit, now we know what to tag. So... <laughs> That's good for me. I think what's really great about going into this episode and getting a lot of season five callbacks, you know, you do see a lot of the actual man that she had uh, coitus with, <laughs> whose name is Matthew. Also great. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like going back to season five again and maybe seeing photos of him on the refrigerator. But then I think to myself, here, I'll give you five t-shirts so you can find it for me. And then it'll never be there. <laughs> so let's bring that gag back. I like but, that she was having those flashes. I like to think that while Grace was having these flashes of specifically like when he's still alive and you know, looks nice and they're at a park or something, it's just a quick flash of him looking nice, that Athena can see those images with Grace. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, in the beginning of the episode, I was thinking to myself, why is it flashing to Matthew? Why? Right. And then it does show also images of Matthew mm -hmm. irradiated as well and not looking so yeah. great. And maybe even, maybe, I don't know, because it's hard to tell, a Walker Matthew. And, and, mm -hmm. and you see her having to, I think, put him down in the flashback, yeah. too. Oh, the same thing. And it's out and, of order, too. Oh, yeah. It's very out of order. But I think that was Grace's worry put into a vision. She's constantly thinking about what the radiation is doing to the baby. And so she sees it that way, too. Like, oh, God, I remember what he looked like when this happened to him. And so the radiation is always on her mind. And this is how it's being displayed in front of us through visions of Matthew. Well, and then you find out later on that uh, the way I finally square that circle was it's the fact that Morgan had put the headphones on her eventually. And the song was was being played over and over in dreams and it is matthew's favorite song mm -hmm. big roy orbison fan and so it kind of leads back but all these things reinforce that i'm also thinking like of, of course she's probably thinking of him also because it's time the baby mm -hmm. is going to be born his baby who, exactly mm -hmm. whose baby is it yeah you know it, even if you're not here i will take care of this for you i will make sure she makes it to this world and you know, she doesn't, but there's all these stakes. You think it's going to go one way and it doesn't. You can make the argument that in that song and having him on her mind, on Grace's mind, maybe he helped also build this for his daughter. And in the end, she gets to be with him. And so there's yeah. a little bit of that. And now she can only see both of them in dreams, which is why I think, look, I mean, the show, you almost can't do the same trick twice again. I mean, mm -hmm. but it would be kind of nice to see visions of uh, Athena in the show somehow just to get the actor back on again yeah yeah <laughs> there's like yeah. a lot of tremendous talent that you don't get to access anymore you know yes she could even just like show up like as a vision like maybe grace is just seeing her no one else or sees her but just grace sees her and she's there with her or i mean look if you want to save some money just reuse footage from the episode <laughs> 
I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Or like even like you ever see like a flashback and the and the the person is like very far away, but in like this very wide shot, like 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 a dark like where she's a silhouette almost, but you kind of make her out, and then it's these darker pink trees that line the shot, and then okay. you see her, and it's a kind of a beautiful like I see you. I say this because now that the key that she perceives is gone, I wonder if Grace herself is the key to all this, to getting people to rally together in having this soul purpose, the sole urgency to give birth to this baby. I've, I, I actually just listened to uh, the Talk Dead to Me podcast with Karen David, you know, Johnny O'Dell, and we heard the behind the scenes that Grace will be struggling with a world without, with having lost her daughter. You, you do see a little bit of a rift or a lot of bit of a rift between Morgan and Grace. And then I don't know if it's the next episode. I don't know when it's going to appear. This is something that we talked about when we tried to, the prime example of how we are supposed to refer to like two people who love each other, but have a tragedy between them. You know, they still love each other, but the circumstances that change so greatly make it so that, that their love isn't enough. There's too much sadness between them and they can't find a way to climb above the sadness to have a relationship anymore. Every time they try to think of, love one another, they just remind of the sadness all over again. Now, interestingly enough, Morgan and Grace are not married. They haven't even kissed. I can safely make that assumption at this point because even in the future, they don't kiss. And I know that's a COVID thing, but I feel like one of the facts that Grace could have said to prove who she was to Morgan who didn't remember her was, yeah, we never kissed either. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Everybody assumes that we did already, but, but we didn't, we've never kissed. Only Grace would know that. <laughs> yeah, we shared a carousel ride. You told me about Dwayne's RC car and we never kissed. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You've convinced me. How, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I, I, that's the one thing that struck me when I was watching it again. I was like, I was like, wow, how is this even possible? How, 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 how? Why wait? It is kind of this weird parallel with that she had with Matthew. Like Matthew was the chance she finally took. It, like she had her little Walking Dead moment. She had meant to for so long to get together with this guy, and then when the world went to shit, she finally did. <laughs> and which is a cautionary tale. Don't wait. And here we are waiting. And here we are still <laughs> waiting. Mister Sixteen Different Somebody's didn't forget to include in this package to kiss the girl. You know, like. <laughs> What the fuck, man? I find it very interesting that usually when you see people riding horses with one another, right? Like you're double backing on a, on a horse. I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> Let's just call it double backing. <laughs> Tandem riding? Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Butt fucking. I don't care. <laughs> Hopefully not. Because when Grace grabs Athena, she's she's got her around the abdomen. She's like wrapped her arms around the abdomen. Every time I've seen people ride with one another, I don't see that. Maybe on motorcycles. Really? But not I, because. That's where a, your arms naturally go when you're behind someone and you want to be secure true but not on horseback and there's a reason for that there's a reason uh, for that okay because when you ride a horse you want to have your pelvis back and your back straight because when you're bouncing up and down you don't want to be slack like this you're just going to hurt your back more but if you stand up straight and you hold their hips like this you have less of it you have you're secure you're not going nowhere and you're not getting your, your junk all fucked up <laughs> Your, your female junk. But I just find it interesting that she, she interlocked her fingers around her abdomen. And I was thinking to myself, she's in that belly. She's in that belly. And I was like, I just, just she's right there. And they're sharing the same horse. And they're sharing the same body. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yes, yeah, so Alani says you need balance when you ride a horse. <laughs> so we should take it a ride. Ridden, I've ridden horses. I'm well aware. Oh, you do? I, I have not. <laughs> yes, I, I have. Just know, I just know that <laughs> I, I had one pony ride when I was a kid and I rode and I was like all like hunched over and no. I, it was no, a bad my stepdad. My stepdad had a horse farm when he and my mom met. I had a horse. <laughs> you had your own horse? His name was Echo. My stepdad's horse's name was Radar. And I I remember more stories about Radar than anything. Now, granted, when I say I had a horse, my dad was like, oh, yeah, that's your horse. For the day. I was like, 
five, six years old. So, I mean, I didn't like take care of it or anything. Right. But there is like a wrong way to, to sit on a horse, right? Like if you sit on a horse a little slouchy and, and, and you, like on your coccyx. With, without a saddle, that would be the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. But it's not like you, you are being bounced around. Yes. You don't want oh. to have. Yes. You want to be kind of aligned. You don't well, want to hit that like on a bad angle. You want to move with the horse. Right. To you want to have it. you want to have a flow with the horse that you're on. Which is why you would kind of use like a railroad attached to your partner like a railroad, right? You hold them from the hips rather than from around here. Otherwise you can't really otherwise you're making some really wild motions with your tandem partner, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're literally going, "Yeah." You're like <laughs> <laughs> them around the belly doing the same motions and it's kind of <laughs> awkward but if you're doing it from the hips you're like okay this is less bad this is a little less bad <laughs> i was trying to find like any significance for pink you know in terms of like indian culture in terms of you know just like the significance of it but like mo mostly with regards to indian culture and the only the closest thing i could find was uh the lotus which is the official flower of india which, which is kind of cool that is like pink you know, light pink to white, etc. So it doesn't explain the fuchsia that we're seeing in front of our faces or the, you know, the light fuchsia kind of color or magenta. There were a couple things in here that really do give an homage for like Karen David's Indian culture, I think. But there, there's one thing that I kind of want to get out of the way. And that was with all the, the Indian culture references that I was trying to get for this episode, part of me also thought about well, we don't really see Grace as referencing Indian culture throughout the series. And so I was kind of thinking to myself, what was Grace's upbringing like compared to Karen David? Was it the same kind of rich Indian history? I mean, like Grace's family emigrated from India, I think it was, to Canada eventually. Was Grace's experience the same way? You know, and so I was thinking to myself, is there a little bit of a weird, like, is this more of an homage to Karen David than it is to Grace? And I was a little concerned at one point. Like, is this more about overhyping the culture? But then I squared that circle a little bit because I was thinking to myself, well, what do I want to impart on my child? What do I want to give in, to my future child? And in that, maybe Morgan is giving her, you know, this is your mom's culture. This is, and then you hear Athena's call Morgan Babaji and Athena's wearing red, which is a very common color in India. Most people, that's like wearing black in the United States. Black is everything. You know, black works with everything. Red in India works with everything. It's a very universal color and it means a lot of things. And so this, these are the things that in her mind, like I want to be able to give that to my kid dream. So, but I was concerned. I was like, okay, this is a little too much. We don't see this with Grace at all. There's no references to Indian. The closest we can get to it, to any sort of reference to her parents was when she had to explain to Morgan why she said candy beansies. And we thought maybe she had a brain tumor, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? We're like, oh my God, she's on the chopping block. <laughs> she's got a brain tumor. <laughs> and then we had the theory about like, what would her walker look like if she just died? I forget what we said too. <laughs> it was something outrageous. I know that for sure. <laughs> It was something terrible and that we should never say again, but it's probably in a clip. So Sharon D says, Lindy had a good theory about the pink. Maybe I'll do a post edit, not in the video, but I'll do it in the blog. I was glad that I could resolve that in the notes, but I did mm -hmm. want to mention it. All that about the Indian culture. It was a little too heavy handed than I thought this is what I would want the life for her to live, even if I'm not there. So, okay. Sure, it's good sure. to bring up. It's good to bring yeah. up. When Athena calls Morgan Babaji, that should have been Grace's first indication that something was up. I don't mean just the relationship either between the two of them, but like, let's pretend her dream was real and Grace died in childbirth and Morgan ended up raising the baby. How much does Morgan know about Indian culture? Who would have come up with the name Babaji except Grace? It's, it's worse than that. <laughs> it's way worse than that. 
Okay, I can explain that answer easily. I can see Athena having grown up. Morgan says, your mom's Indian. <laughs> and I can see Athena going to a library and going, let me learn about Indian culture or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then she decides to embrace all these things. Because libraries are everywhere. She went to the one that uh, <laughs> Nick went to in season four. <laughs> Right? <laughs> anyway, so my, my point being is like she found the means by which she could probably find that out. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can see somebody who doesn't have any connection to her mother scramble to find cultural references that she may have had a connection to herself. And in that, she lives on through a, a kind of grand collective of history and tradition that was probably a part of her, you know, even in the smallest way, even if her mom said candy beansies and that was the limit. But in that, she's a part of a bigger tapestry of which her mom belongs. And I, I can get, I can get behind that. But like, why? I said it's worse is because that is not often a name that one uses for their father. Fathers are called like Baba or Pa or Ba or uh, and I looked up I looked up all the different variations. Not one of them is Babaji. Okay. Do you know what Babaji is refer is is reserved for? It is the formal, is the honorific version of father, but not mm. in the literal father. So like honorary father, which is well, no 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 Morgan. not honor not honor it, it's it's like in <laughs> ja oh man I feel like I'm using the wrong comparison, but it's like in Japanese when you call. Your father is Otosan, and, and the honorific of that would be Otosama. Like, so it'd be like of honor. A, a holy father, meaning a like, so more like a priestly father. So you would call this oh, like yeah. that kind of father, not like god, like godly not, father, not like a more formal dad, but an oh, actual. It is a more, it is a more formal dad, but it has clergy? more. It has more spiritual significance rather than just okay. like. Mr. Eliyahu cameo, like, like, no, it's not that. It's bigger than that. It's like, okay. if, if my dad was a, I don't know, maybe I don't know, like a rabbi. Or, I, I don't know, but okay. you would say you would say this about a lot of babajis in in, in Hindu culture. These are are yogis. These are mm -hmm. spiritual leaders. I thought that was very strange because it's not common at all. Either what does it say about Athena? What does it say about Morgan? Well, it should say the most about Grace. She's the one thinking all this. Right, you're right. Thinking it all right. up. <laughs> So now I'm wondering, what does that mean? Like, or maybe this is Grace's perception of Morgan. Like, you made this yeah. happen. You helped she make this happen. Clearly, thinks very highly of him. Now, what? That's what, so sweet. One little thing that irritated me, and it really shouldn't even have irritated me. She calls him Babaji to his face, but then when she's talking about him, she says Dad. But that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because even in even in like honorific culture, the person to whom you want to address that honorific title more for is when they're in front of you. When they're away from you, you can you really shouldn't, but it's more important when you're being formal with that person than it is off-site, like when you're talking about them. I think it says that she clearly thinks very highly, highly of, him. of him. Yeah, but you wouldn't think that highly. That's a little too far. Maybe she sees big things for him. <laughs> like if he was the spiritual leader of the dam, I could get behind that or whatever. And mm. even at the end of this episode, I do feel I feel a lot more of Morgan's weight having given up the key because even in that moment when he when he was basically forced to by Grace, as we were both saying, we're like, give, give her the damn key, give her the damn key. Right? <laughs> what? There's no way you can say no now. Hand it over. <laughs> even if it's the wrong move, Athena having not made it through childbirth. Just after Riley left, he goes, I believe you. And then you get this distinct feeling that he's looking off and turning his back on her, coming to grips with this, actually thinking, I don't believe you. I felt the same in that moment. The way he says it, I'm like, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he means it in a malicious way, but I also think like I'm I'm going with this, but this it's doesn't a, feel right. It's more like to appease her in the moment, like, yeah, okay, I yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, now let's let's get through this. <laughs> 
And yet there's nothing you can do. No. I think it's a form of belief. I have to choose that because it's it's like I believe mostly because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> you ever been in a situation like that? Like, yeah. Listen, I love you. I don't think this is the right move, but you know what? That's how much I love you. I'll go on it on faith because I really don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. be, I'm being honest here. I don't believe you, but I love yep. you and I'm going to go with it. Yep. I'm going to go with it. That's there's stages, you know, there's like I stages. I don't believe you, but I trust you. Yeah. 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 That's it. See, you say the words that are in my <laughs> brains <laughs> in that. I, I keep thinking about every now and again, like how much Athena actually protected grace in that moment during this childbirth moment or during this, it, it, taking on the radiation, taking on all her pains, taking on the, the concussive blast, probably even. How many people can easily say, well, how many people have been in an explosion? <laughs> how many people can easily say they survived one? I think maybe part of her knew she wasn't going to make it. I think part of her was kind of like, yeah, I've had one too many concussive blasts. I've had one too many, you know, grays of radiation. So the best I can do is if I can do something, I, I'll make you survive. And the grace is thinking to herself, if that's the case, the best I can do is give you a life, a, a life fully lived. She is 16 years old. That's more than most people get. What happens around 16 in Indian culture? You start beginning the search to find marriage. Ideally in traditional Indian culture, like in, in, in India, doesn't always happen that way. That's why they have that matchmaker show on Netflix, you know, for all the 30 year olds that didn't quite get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's actually very fascinating. Oh my, no, I, did, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's, it's, a, it's a short uh, docu-series where they, each episode has like a different set of couples that gets match made and then they go through the wedding too. Oh, geez. It's very cool. Like my wife was okay. binge watching this thing, but, but in that, like usually like in the culture, it used to be you turn around 16, 16, 17, 18, you're about the time where you would kind of look for a mate and then you would get you would get matched up with somebody traditionally it doesn't happen that way anymore i bring that up because usually what the bride wears at her wedding is a red bedecked gown you know it's mm. all red red is the color not white i thought that was kind of cool athena the color red does mean bravery courage protector as well i thought that was really apt poignant i love it so when you're seeing all this you're seeing brides bedecked in red it's the most potent symbol of leaving behind one's adolescence and stepping into womanhood mm. and that makes my heart hurt so much more and eventually motherhood. So leading her all the way through a life lived and, and like, okay. And the red vermilion is also used in a ritual mark while you're greeting guests or family members at a festival into your home for the first time. The Indian custom to tie a long red string around the wrist of loved ones during a prayer is a mark of protection. And red in mythology denotes bravery, protection, and strength. All of that. Thank you, Jojo. Asshole. When you have such a short time to do something, you have to use shortcuts like this, like using the color red and, and making that a prominent part of the character. Almost as she is almost like a symbol with that outfit, this, this whole getup. And it says everything you need to know about this episode, or at least about this character, what she's supposed to represent. I saved you. And then Grace turns around and says, in my dream, I've given you a full life, the life that you could never have. And there's this like symbiosis in that. And I love, I love the beauty in that. And this is something that you're not going to get if you didn't like this episode so much, is that when you look deeper into what this means, and this is why I firmly believe that, okay, I can't say that. I want to believe, even if it doesn't happen, I hope it does. Even if it doesn't, I'll be okay. But I, I have to somewhat believe that all of this has to lead on to Grace finding a new purpose. Because for most of this season, her purpose was to have that child. And now that that's ripped away from her, what do you become? Oh my God, it comes back to this thing again. You've wanted this thing for so long. And now that you've gotten it or haven't, what do you become? 
And then you see the strife between her and Morgan in some of the look ahead scenes for the, either the next episode or for mother or whatever it's going to be. And again, if the show is not going to give you what you want, you'll get what you need. That's the Rolling Stones. No, no, <laughs> you won't. You, you, I, I'm not even ready to say that much. You won't get what you need. You really won't. The season will not give you everything you need. I no. can guarantee it. What you need is a resolution, but it may not even give you that. You'll like what you get. <laughs> you might not be satisfied yeah. because there is a season seven. So Yay. I'm hoping this gives us some sort of trans, either transformation or repurposing yeah. of Grace, or we thought Morgan was the solution, but it could be Grace. We thought maybe mm -hmm. June was the solution, but it might be Grace. Because as some of the scenes that we see in the next episode, June's doing her own thing. Grace very well could take on this I have nothing to live for attitude too and kind of turn into like a scary badass. Like I've lost my child, I've lost everything, so I'm just setting fire to the world. Oh, man. <laughs> Given the shape of her by the end of it, I, I, I can see that. That might be I, like season seven, Grace. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it might take a while because like what Grace is supposed to take away and she says this to Morgan at the end, I thought it was about... Her last moment. It was really all about giving her that thing that we could share together, a life well-lived, mm -hmm. or having lived. And that is close to the line that Athena says when, when she re reverses. I got to mother chucker. I wish I would have written this line down because I, it meant so much. It, when Grace says, you know, this might be all the time I have with you. And then Athena flips it back and says, well, no, I think it's all the time I have with you. Or like she, she flips yeah. the words just a little bit. Which is what got me to think that maybe Grace knows. That's, that's what made mm -hmm. me think like, on the second watch, like, oh, maybe she does know. And maybe this is her way of saying actual goodbye, mm -hmm. but like not goodbye because I'm dying, but goodbye because you're dying. Because it can translate both ways. It, you can see that scene both ways, having seen the episode. Thinking to myself also, which is why it, it, it's so heartbreaking to think that she could go down a dark path, because you got closure that nobody can get. Nobody in this on this sh these shows ever gets. Mm. Like, okay, you get a Glenn sputtering out, I'll find you, before he bites it. Too soon. Too soon. I, it's not too soon. It's been too so soon. many years. Too soon. It's been five years, I think. Too soon. <laughs> but but even that feels hollow. But this a whole episode dedicated. And look, I am grateful because of it. I'm I'm grateful that she could have this because of the emotional toll that this takes. The cost of peace. I still don't fully understand that personally. But this does factor into the explanation for the cost of peace. She thought it was all about the key, but I think it's more about the situation and what what happened. Right. This is the cost of staying alive. This is the cost of getting what you want, which is eventually a future. Possibly, it might have to be with without me. Maybe Grace has something to do with the way they achieve that piece. And that's what I'm she, hoping. Had, had she not been pregnant for Athena to absorb the radiation, it would have killed Grace instead of Oh, yeah. Baby. And that's this is my hope. This is my hope that this is the payoff. Like, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that we often say had Negan not been spared, he wouldn't have been alive to save <laughs> Judith and the thing. But that's right. true. Like, right. right? Judith would be dead. Yeah. Dog would probably be dead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. He wouldn't be been able to save them from the whispers and the whisper war and all that stuff. The Alpha's head wouldn't be on a spike. All this stuff. I'm hoping that this is one of those things, which would mean that Grace becomes a much bigger character, which she needs. And I can easily see, ease fucking Lee, see people going, well, what the fuck? What, what about Alicia? What about this? What about that? Grace is a two-bit part. I can see it. If you can make that happen to where we can fully embrace this, I'm for it. I think 
think she's a good character. I think she's a tremendous actor that has been underused too, I think. And I think we can see great things from Karen David, like we've seen in this episode. So Sharon is saying if, if Morgan let June stay at the dam, they wouldn't have been on the road. June left. Didn't you watch opening minutes? Didn't we oh, watch the next opening episode? minutes? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the opening minutes. No. Oh, I thought we watched opening minutes after we finished Grace's episode. My bad. We watched the, the teaser into the episode. The, the opening minutes I did not watch. I didn't watch. Okay. Well, 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 you might okay. as well explain it. I don't know if I'm going to keep it in, but we'll see. Morgan flat out says, I couldn't let you stay here because you could, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I couldn't let you stay here because you couldn't do the one thing John asked you not to do. John he's, asked he, you not to do. Yeah, Sharon D's not, not happy. Here come the capital, capital, capital letters. But doesn't, yeah. doesn't June agree to that? Agree to leave? Yeah, like you're well, right. Well, she could well, have protested. I mean, he, well, he laid down the rules and she killed Virginia. And in that same conversation, he blames June for Athena dying. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That says a lot more about Morgan than it does about June, obviously. Yeah. Me personally, I think Morgan is lashing out in that moment. Of course, I, yeah. I, I'm not convinced he even believes everything he's saying. He'll regret having said it the next day. I mean, it's very real life, isn't it? To lash out like that and then regret what you said later. That's very human. This really does go go to show that that cold look you saw Morgan give to June, or the perceived cold look, mm-hmm. and what I said was a response to that was like, okay, this is a John that's heavily conflicted. Take the Morgan that goes, I don't understand. He's I, mad. Yeah, but he's <laughs> trying to navigate this tremendous loss, and I just, I can't even grasp. I don't know what that means. I don't know where he is. I don't know where Grace is, too. And I think... I think the sad part is from the look ahead that I see with him and Grace, I mean, I'm sort of moving on a little bit, but I see a Grace that is actually more okay than Morgan is. And I think I know why. And I think a little of that has to do with Dwayne and what he couldn't do for Dwayne in killing Walker Jenny. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like this, the history just keeps repeating. I couldn't do the thing. I couldn't save Athena. And it's just working on him. And it's just this, this shitty fucking cycle of, I just couldn't do it. I, I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough to save my kid. I wasn't enough to save my kid. I can't wrap my head around it. And the, the more I think about it, the sadder I get. Let's be real here. June doesn't need your help. June is fucking strong. Yeah. June will take the hit and be like, I get it. June will move on and do better things, bigger things. She's moving on to do the hospital. She's going to find John's dad. She's finding a purpose, multiple purposes. This is the one thing that I, I, I'm just baffled about, like when it comes to protecting June, quote, air quotes. And I, I don't mind to be confrontational about this because it's for a good reason. The good reason is that June doesn't need your help. June has got this on lock. What did I say initially? June could run this thing. I'm not worried about June. Morgan could <laughs> Morgan could want to kill her and I he wouldn't. But Morgan want, could want to kill her and I'd be like, "June might just beat Morgan." This is how I really feel. And it would be okay cuz Morgan at that point would be absolutely cuckoo bananas. <laughs> to have to say that because there's no way you can face June and live. But that's what I'm saying. I have no worries about that. I have no worries about June. I know she just lost John, but even in that moment, why I went through the whole explanation of John being a regular guy that just walked into the apocalypse for some reason, and him not being able to live in a world like this without June, not having to kill people without June and suffer it much less. But when she walks off, he starts to suffer and then moves away. 
is to say June needed John in the moment to know that she could deserve love. Now, maybe without him here, it's a whole other story. I don't know where that goes, but that's just love. That's not survival. That's not knowing that you can make a difference, not knowing that you can grasp a purpose or want to live. That's true too. Having known that she could experience this again, that she can feel these things again and maybe go through and have another purpose. She's got that on lock. See, June has a tremendous loss, but again, I think she can handle it 100%. I think she is having a hard time and she's she's earned a couple fucks. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay, everybody on this show has gone through something. It doesn't excuse the way Morgan is talking to her and what. Not at all. But what I do know, just you and I both know that in marriages, even as much as we would like to have equal treatment of other people, like wife A and husband B contribute in different ways. And relationships with friends are like that too. Sometimes a friend is just way more giving than the other. Sometimes when a friend takes liberties with that and goes, well, fuck you, dude, fuck you, dude, like the other friend can go, okay, I'll take a look, well, fuck yous, okay, all right, you done? Okay, let me explain the truth. I'm <laughs> I'm not, again, I'm not worried. And Morgan doesn't often treat anybody like that. So when June hears that, she'd be like, he's never talked to me like that. I know what he just went through. Pass. I'm getting, I'm moving on with my shit. I'm hurt. I'm hurt to all fuck. I killed Ginny. I just, I just ripped a mother away from a daughter who gives a shit fuck her. But yeah. I, I got my own shit to live with. You know, I got my own thing to do. I'm not worried about June. We both know that why would he say that if not for the fact that he's just, it's not about June. It's not about June at all. It's about Morgan. All we're illustrating here is that Morgan is losing it. I do expect an and apology June is the not. next time he sees June. <laughs> okay. There's, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> June there doesn't are always time. There's always time to apologize. Again, I'm saying this again. June doesn't need the apology, so why are you asking for it? June doesn't need it. Because she doesn't need it's it. just she got courteous. the luck. Because it's courteous, it's and we are hum we're trying to bring back the humanity and and manners and politeness are part of humanity. All right, oh. baby, baby steps, baby steps. Okay, we'll we'll work our way to politeness after we can somehow find a, find a way to live. <laughs> let's let's find a way to live, hey, and then we'll live, go to pilot. You live by being kind and polite to the people around you because they are just as much in charge of your life as you are of theirs. So you are polite and kind to the people that you are trying to survive with. I agree, but I think there's a priority <laughs> here. There's a list of priorities here and politeness might not be on it right now. And also how you, like- How do you get people to join your group? By being by nice. Be not everybody's Aaron, okay? <laughs> and we know that for a fact. Even like when Daryl goes out, hey, you wanna join our thing? Okay, fuck you, bye. <laughs> like, it's not always like that. I, again, I, I bring back the point just to say there's going to be times where other people are like, like even Dwight is not particularly hospitable when John and June meet her meet him on the road. He mm -hmm. is actually kind of trying to fight them and trying to kill them. See, <laughs> and and he see and they see through it. There's a reflection here. And then in the end of the day, what does Dream Dwight name his son John because he he was able to channel that and turn it into something beautiful and save somebody in the process and find Sherry in the process. So. These people don't need your help. There, it's it'll be fine. You have to have faith that everything's going to be fine. When you are fighting with your husband and he throws out a couple fuck yous and a couple of one twos, not physical but like verbal one twos, you're mad at him. He's mad at you. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, "We'll figure it out. We'll find a way to figure it." Out. I won't even let up until we figure this out. But we will. I can't stand him right now. But we'll figure it out. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, oh, is this the end of our marriage? Oh. No, we just had a fight. Couples have fights. Friends have fights. It's going to be fine. They don't need your help. If you can't see eye to eye to that, I'm worried about your personal relationships here. Because if in any fight that you have with your friend, you're worried about them leaving you, that says more about like the faith you have in your friendship than it does about the 
friendship. It's exactly how I feel, though. I mean, I have lost friends over stupid bullshit. But I'm, whose fault was that? Not yours. You no, had faith in the relationship. The second they I, lose faith, they leave. I'm more friends with them than they are with me. That's usually how the relationship goes. Like, I think we're better friends than, than the reality of the relationship. <laughs> Oh, rage. <laughs> I, I used to, uh, truth is, I used to be like that too. Ever since I got married, I'm just a lot more realistic. Life, yeah. And you get older, obviously. Oh, yeah. I'm just a lot more realistic. Yeah. But back then, yeah, I, I was the same person. Now I'm just really careful about who I led into my life that my really good friends, you and Charity, and, you know, a lot of the fandom that I've met, like, are, I do consider true, real friends. And it's weird because it's like an internet-y thing and that's not my comfort zone. So it's it's weird to me sometimes, but they are really my friends. Well, we've had time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. I, I I would be totally fine. Like, okay, like when you first came on, could I say that you're friends? No. I mean, I'd like to be, but you know, we're, we're not there yet. I'm Morgan and June. They're there. Just have faith. Sometimes words are going to be exchanged. Sometimes things happen. But it's not worth having an adversarial position. I do think it'll all work out. But, yeah. but I mean, it, it's still harsh and hard to hear Morgan saying these things. It's June. What did she do to provoke Morgan's reaction? Nothing. What happened in the episode before with Morgan? A lot of things. And then compound that with everything that's happened and everything he's trying to hold together. Before, I said, and now he's trying to get this baby delivered. And now it's now he has to deal with having tried to get that baby delivered under threat of death and the baby's death and the, the mother's death having lost the baby and i feel like morgan is taking this on way harder than grace is that's from what i've seen at least some of the scenes that i've seen in look ahead it seems like morgan often takes on problems in a in a far bigger way than he needs to it seems like every single episode there's another person that, that he can say or acknowledge is should take this on for him or like yeah like, remember what we said in damage on the inside no it has to be my oh you're right leisha you're right Yes. I can't I can't keep doing this. But I, I like listen, we live in the struggle. Like it can't be that easy. So there's a greater and this is terrible because I feel like, oh, so you can circ you can overcome this. You cannot kill Ginny. Okay, wait till the next episode, Morgan. Wait till <laughs> the next episode. Oh, you're quote unquote, I don't know what you are with Grace, girlfriend, whatever. The child you are going to have with her probably has yeah. just died. What's your plan now? And then you get a scene <laughs> like that with and I feel like again, we, we're seeing like these episodes where in the in the first half of season six, Morgan's all badass. Morgan's Morgan can't lose. Morgan is mowing people down left to right, walking between the raindrops. And then like the second half turns and it's just like bigger burden, pass. Bigger burden. Mm, this is the biggest burden. And it's it's gonna turn. It's gonna go differently. <laughs> so Sharon D says it's like mm -hmm. June is my friend and not I'm not supposed to be mad at someone treating her like No, I mean you can be upset about it, but if mm -hmm. your friend's not upset at all like and she gets it why are you mad i mean no offense i mean it's good to stick up for your friend but if your friend doesn't need your help she doesn't need your help she also she's a character i mean she's upset but like she's not upset at morgan she's upset for morgan i think that's really the thing she knows the truth again your feelings are your feelings i'm not gonna say you're wrong i'm just saying this is from my point of view she's she gets it she's like oh i know why he's acting that way okay let me do my thing now yeah i you might i, I don't think you'll feel much differently but i think 
I think you might have a slightly different opinion after you see the scene, after you see the exchange between the two of them. I think I'll feel the weight of the conflict yeah. or the weight of the, the tension, let's say, but I'll understand it. I'll still come to the same conclusion. It's, it's, I mean, the whole point is that we live in the struggle with that. And that's the whole point of watching it rather than explaining it. Like yeah. I can, I can go on and explain to you the significance of what she does in that moment. But it doesn't, it pales the comparison than just watching it. Cause hopefully that, and this is the whole point, hopefully in that moment while you are watching it that it's written and executed in a way where i don't have to explain it it's apparent i do think a lot of what you're saying is going to carry through the episode i do the the weight of what morgan is laying on june she's going to carry it with her maybe acting uh out of this emotional state because of what was said to her and how she's right. feeling in the moment it's the impact of what morgan says like she gets yes. it intrinsically but it hits hard that's yes. what you're saying ultimately my impression of june overall no matter what state she's in i feel like she can eventually rise above it now if we reach oh, a yeah. point where like she can't then i'm then i'd be concerned and i at that point i wouldn't be concerned that morgan is the one that brought her there no mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of things that have led to the point of which she this would happen not just morgan's words why are we pitting friends against friends it's not productive your friend gets yeah. attacked yeah of course you want to go right. to their defense intrinsically yeah, no. yeah. sharon is not neither one of us are worried for june it's just it's just a reaction to how morgan's talking to her and i mean sharon a little more upset than i am but it is it is tough to watch i've been saying for a while now at least a handful of episodes that morgan is reminding me of madison he's just making bad decisions that's what's irritating me this on top of it just kind of made me more angry at him i think what irritates me a little bit is that does morgan even have to do all this shit no no how However, he is, and I don't know what it, what it's like to be him at all. I don't know what it's like to go through what he's going through. So I, I can't easily say what I would do in, the, in his place. I think Morgan puts a lot of unnecessary stress on himself, so it's hard to feel sympathy for that when you do it to yourself. I wonder how how we resolve that too, because it can't. We can't keep yeah, doing I don't this. Know. He'll break. He'll break under all of this if he hasn't already. But. I like that the showrunners have said this openly, and that's we're that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> we're trying to put him through the ringer. We're challenging his notion of not killing behind the walls. We're going to be challenging him, pushing him, because we're trying to tell him, you can't keep doing this. You need help. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if Rick figured that out, or you know, at least tried to figure that out before he Rick Tatorship the shit, like <laughs> back in back in the uh, Alexandria days or pre-Alexandria in the prison, where he said we have to decide together. We have every anything that we do, we have to decide together. And then he goes on and he says, "This is not a democracy anymore." But that part before. <laughs> He kind of had sort of right, which is why I love when, when I think it's season nine that comes around, we find out Alexandria has a council, you know, we run this shit together. Mm -hmm. These guys aren't there yet. <laughs> Right. And maybe they never will get there. Cause that's the other thing. It's like, we expect that they'll figure this out, but maybe they don't, maybe Morgan moves on to somewhere else. Maybe Morgan leaves the show as many fear the walking dead fans probably want. Yeah. And that's actually, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because look at what we have. We've got grace. We've got June that could run this shit. We got Alicia that everybody knows or feel most people feel is a badass. I'm not worried. Feelings are in the moment and that's why we watch the shit. We don't read a book just to read the end. We want to know how this happened. Mm -hmm. We want to know how we got all to the surprise ending of Z. We need to read A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We can't skip to A to K to right. V to Z, which is why when we watch scenes like that with, with June and Morgan, which I haven't seen yet, but you've described it pretty accurately, you have to feel the weight to know how they take it on and they ride.
rise above it and transform as a result of it. And they go, hey, I felt what you said and you're still my friend, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because I know, I feel like that's where it's going to lead up to. It's like, I'm feeling this right now. And then Morgan might end up going to a completely different headspace come however many weeks it takes for her to get back. <laughs> you know, because again, we're playing with time again. We're playing, I don't know how long it's been, but even, the longer it goes between the time where he loses, they both lose their kid and that conflict happens. And I don't know if it's just instantaneous or I don't know if it's like six hours later when she finally does arrive. I don't know what it is, but it's a springboard for whatever happens to June throughout this episode, which is could take the span of time throughout the episode. <laughs> she already says, in 29 hours, I'll have more context. <laughs> and I won't. <laughs> like in 72 hours, I'll have more context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe more. So we see the walker in the Don't Mess With Texas t-shirt, which obviously is the t-shirt that Grace gives to Morgan after she tells him to get undressed. Anyway, blah, blah. so the t-shirt made sense. But the walker's wearing a very distinctive pair of glasses. Let's try to figure this out together because even <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You don't? Oh, wow. Okay, I, I thought know. for sure you'd have an answer for me. They could have not put glasses on him. They made a choice to put glasses on this walker, and now I want to know why. I thought maybe this was the Robert Dealey guy, and I'm flipping back and forth between it, and like, but why would that guy wear the Don't Mess With Texas? Where did... Mm -hmm. Again, dreams are tough, because, like, is this the part of the dream where it is like a dream? The only thing I can tell you that I know for sure is freaky outside of that, but during that is when Athena is telling Grace, the wall's this way. And oh, yeah. And he's constantly repeating it. And, but in yeah. one particular, there's the way they do the shot, this one particular shot, and it's one of the last ones. I think it is the last one. Athena is looking at the camera and we assume she's looking at Grace, but she's really looking at you. And she points the stick towards the wall and all of a sudden Grace is there. It's like, wait, whoa, wait, whoa. What is, who is she talking to now? <laughs> Why is she talking to? You don't realize this at the time because it's a dream. It's like, okay, uh -huh. it's me, but then it's, I'm over there. Wait, I'm not Grace. Wait <laughs> a minute. Yeah, that part at least tells you definitively. Okay, Grace is not a time traveler. And it's not the silt that makes the trees pink. Because all this time you could be like, spooky beta shit. <laughs> I keep referring to spooky beta shit because beta the prophet. If you watched our episode of coverage of ten uh, TWD ten fifteen, I go into the beta. Well, how does beta know that that person is there? He doesn't see that person, so but he knows he's there because the walker tells him he's there. Spooky beta shit. Beta the prophet. These shows have been playing with shit like this a lot lately, and it's I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it at all. But I'm also kind of like, now I can't properly analyze this shit because now it's spooky beta territory. But my point is, at least now you know for sure that this is a dream because that's some spooky shit. Like Grace is all of a sudden over there and Athena's talking to you. If it took you that long to figure it out, okay. <laughs> Oh, so Sharon, says something very cool. In ah. dream theory, glasses mean you aren't seeing things clearly and need to reassess your, your situation. And in go. that, Grace gets it. And then she's saying, yeah, no. That's when she realizes. The wall may be that way, but I need to go this way. Meaning, sorry for the audio listeners, the wall may be in the direction that you're pointing, the wall to the dam. But the way I need to go is towards the clinic, or at least that general direction, because that's where Morgan is going to be. That's what I need to do to remember. That's cool, Sharon. That's really cool. You did some okay. research for me. That makes that makes more sense, and I, I like that a lot better. Because I was trying to think of a character that it, that it could potentially represent that maybe we didn't see yet. That makes far more sense. Well, and then you add the don't mess with Texas shirt, and it says, it reminds you of, oh, how funny was that when I saw Morgan wear that t-shirt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty mm -hmm. funny. I first, yeah. first I made him strip, then I made him wear a stupid right. t-shirt. When they first meet, that's when they first meet. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so bringing you back to like, okay, I need to make my way back to that man. Mm -hmm. And the only way I can do that is where we last left off, which was the vet clinic. Did you do the thing that I did pedantically, trying to find the intersection of 77 and 28 on 
on a Google Maps. We already did on our Google Maps. God damn it. I couldn't find it. I really couldn't. F- I, in all fairness, I gave myself an allotted amount of time to find it, but I just, uh, yeah. I couldn't Google it. Oh, no, she already li- found it right away and then texted I, me. I literally followed 28 for as long as it went in Texas, Route Highway 28. <laughs> I couldn't find it. It's in like oh. the, like, uh, like South sort of southeastern part of texas oh so near like san antonio sort of i think right yeah i think a little more south of san antonio but yeah that general oh, okay yeah. area i south, didn't go yeah southeast i didn't go area. further south than san antonio because that's pretty yeah. south oh we've got pins literally all over texas oh we have <laughs> we have a folder just called fear locations on our google in google maps and there are pins all over for every location that we see or come across or anything. Why isn't this something that we share in the blog at the end, at least? <laughs> every every blog. I don't know. We we add. We are constantly adding to it. Is Was there anything significant to that coordinates? Do they match up with something that resembles what we see in the episode at all? No. Not in the slightest. Nah, you have they to say They don't usually. Is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, shaking shake my head. head. <laughs> You're like, nah, nah, <laughs> nah, they don't usually, honestly, uh-huh. they, uh, except for grits, grits school road. Yeah. Sort and of. They put that in. Cause I said it. <laughs> 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 they listen to squawking dead. They're like, Oh, it's grit road. We got the court. She's got it right. Now we got to put it in the episode. <laughs> we got it. We got to give them something. We got it. Cause everything else doesn't lead nowhere. Like even like so like for example even Tanktown the coordinates that you had for Tanktown doesn't look familiar at all right Oh no <laughs> not even close right No 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 <laughs> Your the expression on your face was actually very it's like no not a chance this is like a body of water it's like not, yeah. there's nothing here <laughs> Yeah Oh it yeah. is a pond oh it my is. god it I, is yeah I didn't know I, I uh. you're like looking at me like oh he knows like no I didn't know <laughs> I didn't plug it in I don't have a good history with coordinates <laughs> I don't I don't have a good from Althea's list of survivors, I could not, for the life of me, for you know how technical I am too. For me to not be able to get this is is a big failure in my book. Like it, I just being that guy. Yeah, it took me a minute to realize that the coordinates, how they're written, are wrong. You have to reverse them. For real? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I didn't try that. <laughs> and I'm a problem solver. I can't believe this shit. It's not often that I have bad luck, but. At just some point, like I said, you know what? I'm gonna leave it to the Sharon D's and the and the Rachels of the world to do this. That's <laughs> so, what we you do. Know what? I'm fucking done. <laughs> I think I we give up. I think we spent like literally like three hours one night just staring at a map and getting all the pins and all the coordinates and adding notes to this person's there, but they're dead now, and this one goes to there. Yeah, we've freeze the screen on Ginny's map that she's got and added some places that she had circled. If there's a map on Fear the Walking Dead. We've put it on our Google Maps. And like Sharon is saying, some of the locations are just conjecture because we we had to figure out from context from the show. Like, for example, yeah, yeah. John's cabin. It take cabin. a couple leaps. Yeah. Right. Like John's cabin. We know that it's so many miles from this location. And then we know that the dam is so many miles from that location. And so we measure from here to here. And then we go from there to there. And then I think we're pretty accurate. But it's still, we did our best. Over the years, I, I've tried to do stuff like this like okay the charter for rights and freedoms i was adamant about getting everything 
And mm-hmm. I mean every, and I think we've got it. So if you ever go to the blog, you can always search for the Michonne's Chart of Rights and Freedoms. And I was just very insistent of getting all of it. Other things like John's movie list, like you couldn't make it out as much as you'd like to in season four. And in season, of course, in season six, it's clear as fucking day. But in season four, it was like a, it was an achievement for me because I was kind of like, I need to get all of this and I need to put it on the blog. And or actually, I don't even think we did that at the time. We actually just put oh. it in, in the description for the videos. So, so you can imagine how messy those were initially. And so we actually use the blog for this shit. But now it's just kind of like, you know what? I'll do more research for like the color red in Indian culture. I'll do more research on, cause that's, that's my wheelhouse. Let's just, as, as pedantic as I am about finding each and every detail at this point, my wheelhouse is, is philosophy, is research, is medical stuff is, I mean, take for example, example of lyrics. Renee wrote a really cool article on the lyrics to In Dreams. The one thing she does emphasize in the beginning and the end is that it really makes me feel for people who have been in this specific kind of situation where they lose a loved one or they have a miscarriage and they do see them in dreams or they can only see them in dreams or they or th- that sort of feeling where only you know how it feels to lose that and then have to live with that afterwards and so when she explains the lyrics it's kind of like she goes to the lyrics candy colored clown they call the sandman tiptoes in my room every night just to sprinkle stardust to whisper go to sleep everything's all right i close my eyes and drift away into the magic night i selfie say a silent pair like dreamers do then i fall asleep to my to dreams my dreams of you and she explains in her dream grace meets athena and when they try to go on their walk with morgan they spend much time together talking and getting to know one another grace knows this is her daughter you can hear a mother saying to her child you're mine all of the time in dreams i walk with you in dreams i talk to you in dreams you're you're mine all of the time they're only together in the dream and the dawn isn't beginning isn't the beginning of a new day the beginning of grace life without her child she wakes from the dream to find that her child has died along with the hopes she had for her child's life which was in the dream we're together in dreams in dreams but just before the dawn i awake and find you gone anyone who loses a child knows you cannot stop the tears i can't i can't help it i can't help it if i cry i remember that you said goodbye her time with athena was precious but it only happened in her dream her beautiful dream it's too bad that all these things can only happen in my dreams only in dreams in beautiful dreams and she says at the end my heart goes out to each person who watched this episode and felt grace's pain and agony and i thought that was a very cool thing and renee actually reached out to me uh, and said, you know, I want to make sure you check this out because I I know you'll appreciate this. And I said, oh yeah, I already checked it out and we're going to be talking about it. (laughs) I'm going to be boosting you because I think it's something that's really cool. It's your wheelhouse, Renee. You, she's, she's a very good, awesome music lover and she loves trying to dig into the deeper meanings of these. So I don't have to do it. (laughs) So I can offload some of that emotional toil onto her because she's already done it. (laughs) So, and I think it's, I think it's a really great article. It's nice, short and sweet. And I think it really does the legwork of trying to show that dawn is not always a break of a new exciting new day it's some for some people it's another day lived without the the person you love and so i thought that was kind of sweet and not points on a map <laughs> like the things that i have to do but it's really nice and so i'll be including that link uh a link to that article in the blog too i do want to n- nitpick a little bit because I, d- I did mention this in the reaction video again thank you ian and andrew for explaining that this is what grace's ideal of the future would be because i was quite strict by Morgan's hairline in the future. He suddenly grew a bunch of hair that covered part of his big forehead that he has. So I just had a problem with that. Yes, I'm okay. I'm a little 
jealous, okay? What, what you, not everybody can get the hair that they want and they're older, you know? Okay? Because <laughs> we see Morgan in TWD and he has some hair. And of that hair, he does not have that in the future. He's there's It's just missing. There's just It's just the hairline's back here in the middle of the head. And now in the future, it's over here. It's little, <laughs> little, little. That's what you know. get in dreams. More hair. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Nitpick. Nitpick. It's me projecting. It's like, I don't really care personally, but like, you know, just don't throw it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you just be mean. Although I will say, if you were talking about the future too, and I don't know why I got like a tiny, tiny bit emotional over this. It kind of took me out of nowhere, but like, what is, what are the seeds that he needs to get from the feed store? Tomato. And what, it, what has that classically represented? Like we talk about the blue color being innocence, but also death in pairings. Yeah. Like one survives, well, one dies. There was like but, a, what, crushed tomato on Carl's grave and then Negan's eating the tomato in the garden and. In the future, right? In the yep. perceived future, right? Mm-hmm. Another dream future but a future that is one of peace conflict-free future and yet the tomato is a nightshade plant so nightshade meaning in the poison family <laughs> like eggplants and all that and of course nightshade meaning also like nighttime like a dream you know so there's it's it's bitter it's like this bittersweet kind of like okay we get the reference but part of the classic thing that has happened over and over again when that reference is referenced it's like oh it's never going to happen hope for the future never going to happen so it makes me a little sad too like first first of all making it a dream ultimately but something that'll never happen because that's the me only meaning i can take from it even like jed remember jed who referred to himself as mud, mud. to maggie yeah just grabs the tomato out of the bag and goes oh this is the thing that you want to share okay well, fuck you here i'm just gonna take that and dash your dreams and then of course later on in the episode or like in maybe another episode when they're having that conflict and rick has to come in on the horse with the gun right when they're starting to get into it they start stomping on the tomatoes and then the same thing happens with the when they was first bust into Alexandria, they stomp all of these tomato plants. And it's just like, well, fuck you, TWD universe. Like, ah, come on, man. You have to rub it in our faces. Just like Morgan's hairline. Jesus Christ. To be fair, tomatoes are like the easily, like easiest squishable ones, right? Like try like try and picture another vegetable. <laughs> like it just wouldn't be the same if they like stepped on a cucumber or a carrot, right? Because they don't squish. So it's got to be. I mean, tomato. if you leave them out long enough. <laughs> but these squish. are still, but these are still on the vine, so they're not. Yeah. You know, they're fresh. Yeah. So it's got to be the tomato. <laughs> right. It's easy to throw up. You know, vaudeville. <laughs> vaudeville <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, your logic is flawless as usual. <laughs> I, I I tend not to think too hard about stuff. <laughs> Well, way to pull me back. Dave, oh, <laughs> Dave is always looking over the cliff and wondering. Oh, yeah. Will the, will the abyss come get me? And Rachel's like, dude, just it's a mirror, step behind dude. the guardrail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's a guardrail for a reason. But no, I have to see what's beyond the beyond no. the breach. It's no, like, just dude, stay over here. Stay over you here can just safe. here. There's a selfie. There's a camera thing. You can go up there and take a view from there. You can take some in. <laughs> just why are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, okay, tomatoes are squishable. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nick, I can hear right? Nicotero on set. More tomato. More to <laughs> Thanks, Sherry. So, from Sherry. <laughs> what the goddess Athena means, which is another thing which we can just go into now. She is the goddess of war and strategic warfare. That kind of reminds me of Morgan a little bit, too. So there's a little bit of the father's traits in that. You know, who's the real father? It's Michonne, bitch. Right? I remember that clip now. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I mean, Athena also carries the traits of wisdom, courage, inspiration, civilization. So that's pretty cool that civilization's in there. So, oh, mm -hmm. she represents a future where we can all live in peace. Maybe they'll call the damn Athena. 
I don't know if I like that idea. I ha It just sort of fell out of my face. I haven't actually had time to think about if I like that idea yet or not. It's too late now. <laughs> it fell out of your damn mouth. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to hold back tears now. I can't believe that. That that really hit me hard. Virginia asked Morgan, "What are you calling that?" Like that was her old, like her first concert. What are you calling this place? But it doesn't have a name yet. Oh, and that's but the, you know what, the worst part about her saying that was starting to get into oh this is like my grandparents. father's grandparents grandparents farm. farm and they're like wait wait what what is it what was it called what was that called. <laughs> Was, was there a name for that? Wait, it tell me in, more about this. It was in Temple, because that's on the map. Yeah, right. Temple, <laughs> it's on the map. Okay. I See, I like that. See, Sharon D says Athena's Gulch, and Athena's that's, Gulch. Hit, uh, I think that hits me a little harder. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, see, she's like, are you okay? It's going to be all right. Am I sad? You come over because I'm sad. I mean, we can't all be Junes. <laughs> Sometimes we're, we're squishy tomatoes. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am the squish tomato right now. We're li this is literally what we say about what we tell people. Like you're not a Daryl, people. You're not a Daryl. You're at <laughs> you're best a Eugene. Eugene. We're not Junes. We're all squishy tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be a squish tomato than a Martha <laughs> or Dwight's fajita. That's <laughs> Dwight's fajita. <laughs> That's be best case scenario. You're Dwight's fajita. Otherwise, you're oh probably just God. a squish tomato. <laughs> yep, Dwight's fajita. Oh my no, gosh! Think of like all these references that if we say them out of context, nobody will get. But if you watch the show, you'll understand them, and then we'll keep bringing them up, and nobody understands what we mean. Like, see, she's Sharon she is dying. <laughs> Dwight's fajita. So oh we got some good sayings gosh. on the show now, right? We'll just yep. keep racking them up like like balls that nobody can follow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so so going back to it, it, Athena also means law and justice, and the main thing being strategic warfare which is why zeus loved this child more than any other child enough to get to gift her the ability to use his lightning and then also going on that note about athena's father being zeus athena's father being morgan the god of thunder the god of gods I know that Sharon D doesn't like this that much, but I think it's kind of cool that they both have sticks. So that's more, that's the lightning. I thought that was mm -hmm. kind of an interesting thing to kind of drop. She, like Grace is even looking at her stick at one point in the episode and she's like, is this? Yeah, this is my daughter, but she's definitely her, her father's daughter. See? <laughs> Sharon D says, see? See, Morgan thinks he's Zeus. What the? This, this, this motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't say that. Grace thought of the name <laughs> Athena, though, right? That's in, that in the dream. Yeah, 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 in the dream, Athena says, "My mother gave it to me because <laughs> she thought it would make me strong." Well, more than just that, <laughs> Athena apparently has more traits. Sorry, <laughs> mathematics, strength, strategy, the arts, crafts, and skill. I mean, if you're gonna build a kid, here you go. <laughs> I would put all that in there. Mm -hmm. That's a horoscope I'd want. The other thing is that, and this is great because this. This really goes into, like, along with Athena's Gulch, uh, uh, Stab Me in the Heart, you know, and then Wisdom, Inspiration. The, the coolest thing about that is Athena is named after the biggest city in Greece, which is Athens. Athens. What was, what was great about Athens? It was the birthplace of wisdom and rational thought. And mm. that's, that's, I like that because that's from the place from which 
civilization can emerge. You're talking about enlightenment, renaissance, all that stuff. And I like that. I like that she, this idea of her was the key, you know? Of course her name is Athena. That's the only name that makes sense anymore. What was the thing that fucking blew my brain apart in the first, the first scene? That walker. Mm -hmm. First of all, he's falling apart as he's going on top of her. I mean, you see the overhead shot, and I don't know if this is just a mistake, because when the walker went on her, the arm just kind of fell off in the overhead shot. It just fell off. It's just like, it's just like bloop <laughs> And I don't, I don't, I think that what might have been an accident. I'm not sure, which is funny to me because it shows her again from like a forward view of the walker in, on top of her. And then you see like it kind of, the arm just kind of just turns to dust. Like it's held together by skin, which is cool. But it's this desiccated, like stretchy skin and just because she kicks it and like it just is dust. It's dust. After 16 more years in the apocalypse, it's like dust. I fucking love it. Mm -hmm. I love the evolution of walkers in, in Grace's mind. In Grace's <laughs> not, dream. Yeah. This is what frustrates me. It's like, uh, oh, it's Grace's mind. According to Grace. Ah, according <laughs> to Grace. According to Grace. <laughs> fucking shit. I mean, look, I know that we're not going to see talking walkers and I know that we're not going to see talking walkers. That I had to think about that one for a second. <laughs> and walkers that wield knives. This isn't, this isn't Frank Darabont's walking dead. <laughs> Okay, so, but at least that, that got me psyched a little. It was just like, oh, okay, future walkers are dusty. They're like, you, it's like the mummy. It's like you kick them and they just, it's like, whoa. I don't know. It was very exciting for me. Uh, that, that just when you fight and you kick an arm and it turns to dust, it's just so cool. It's just, I, I was, you blew my fucking mind. According to Grace. According to Grace. <laughs> but then... Right after that, right after that, uh, we got this like little opportunity to kind of make fun of Iris and the Walking Dead world beyond. Like, the, yeah. it was the it was the end. It was the beginning of the second episode where she does everything wrong according to Felix, who's trying to teach her to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then what Athena does it, and she does it right. She just she just Whoosh. does it. Yep. Even if it even it didn't it didn't go down, that's which is true, which I liked. It was like, oh, it stopped a little, and then she just went kablam, and then she hit it in the head. And I thought, <laughs> okay, okay, points for creativity, sure. The rusted boax, nicely done. Okay, this is her ideal dream of you know, uh, ideally it he stays there. He hasn't had there, to move it. Which also kind of told me that. This was, it kind of led me to believe, okay, this is probably a fantasy because he's definitely going to, just, you convinced me. It's like, he's definitely going to need that at some point. It might be the last time he needs that. Whether that means he dies, I don't know. Or it is the last time he uses that to put down a bigger enemy, or maybe it's used in some other weird way. We don't know. Maybe Charlie picks it up. That'd be wild. <laughs> That would be crazy. See, I'm trying to think of like things that like hard to imagine at this point. You know, like, oh, it doesn't have to be Morgan, right? Could be Dwight. He had an axe before, right? This is an improvement. The only thing I have that's just a little funny was, and thank God this this didn't happen while they were fighting Riley or like when Riley was about to come in. And this didn't happen after the miscarriage. But when Morgan comes down and gives Grace a dog bowl full of water, I kind of lost it. I was like, yeah. Morgan, it's a it's a dog bowl. <laughs> what are you what are you doing? It's the best I could do, Dave. <laughs> like, okay. I know. Although you assumed it was to drink. Maybe maybe it was to like cool herself down. Maybe she was gonna dip a rag in it and then pat herself down to cool off. That's true, but then I keep seeing Grace's chapped lips and I keep thinking, Oh, she must be thirsty. And then I wanted <laughs> but see, no, no, that we never really saw her dog bowl. Drink like, it, right. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> like, but if she did, I would have lost it. And if she drank it like a dog, I would have, it would have been too Stop much. It. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. I'd be like, is this the dream? Is this the dream? Which was oh, the dream? That's the point you realize she's dreaming, right? No. Right. right. The dream, it's a dream within a dream. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She wakes up again. Oh. And then she talks to Morgan. She's like, Morgan likey? And she'd be like, a little. <laughs> All right. I don't, I don't, and, and yet, and yet, let's remind everybody, they haven't kissed. There's yeah. no off-screen. There's no off-screen kiss here. Okay. There's just no off-screen kiss here. We didn't. It's not happened. It's not happened. I think. I think we've seen every moment of Grace and Morgan together on screen. Yeah. It's the only <laughs> few times they've been actually right. together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> and it. Is, and it is still. Ugh. It's not even like a will they, won't they? It's like a won't they. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's an assumption, right? Everybody dog smell it. Like they're together. Mm -hmm. And that's sweet, but life is too short, Morgan, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta, that's the one mistake you're making right now. Maybe that's why he's so mad at June. <laughs> it's like, I've got all the sexual tension and I have where no put it. I gotta yell at June. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Dude, just get laid. It'd be fine. I mean, maybe not now. Wait yeah, a couple well, months. <laughs> he's got at least six more weeks to wait. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> my notes are upsetting me even athena like judith brought everyone together and after all that war and rick grimes disappearance oh. and i'm mad at myself i'm like oh why did you even write that down Ugh, you knew what you were doing well and this is still a situation that people can rally around people are going to want to be there to support grace and this still could bring people back together and you know maybe to your point about mixing that what you just said now with morgan taking out a little bit of his frustrations on june in this moment if he keeps doing that to everybody he loves it could this could be a reason for somebody else to take on the mantle like grace like alicia and then morgan might turn around and say i'm sorry guys i'm sorry or not sorry and like just leave <laughs> or or i'm sorry but i was right <laughs> morgan yeah <laughs> The constant critique of Morgan pre season six was like, we got to do this my way. And where did that land everybody? And it's acknowledged on the show. It's like, it's not openly acknowledged, but in the interaction with Alicia and damage from the inside, it's kind of like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep insisting that my way is the right way. They have to keep playing with that. They have to keep pushing that, that thing where Morgan has to kind of insist that like, we you gotta clue the people in on you and which okay okay let's keep going with this how in that way is morgan any different than strand in some respects strand is insisting that this is the only way to get the thing done and the thing mm -hmm. i mean it's different obviously strand is a bit cagey doesn't let people in unless they're in in but there's the my way is the highway thing is rife with these two it does make them I mean, at least they're willing to talk to each other. They're willing to share as much as they can, but it's going to rub Morgan the wrong way harder than it is for Strand. Strand is just new to this thing, at least in a group setting, right? Has Strand ever had men behind him? Not really. He's only needed himself because everybody has sort of a parallel with one another here. Sort of. Charity, don't worry. I am not trying to say that to make it any better. <laughs> She says, that doesn't make it any better. No, it's not going to make it. I'm not saying that to say, I'm not trying to help you in this instance. <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm trying to think of ways to, for them to push Morgan. I fully acknowledge it doesn't have to go my way. In fact, I have a bad feeling it's not. <laughs> I have a bad feeling 
they're going to push him and it's going to not go his way and it's going to maybe could end, make him end badly for him. I don't know what to expect. And you know what? In that, I'm kind of excited. I said this to somebody earlier and I'm not going to say who it is because we kind of got not into an argument. We got into like this interesting conversation where this person had said, you know, why is somebody else carrying on? Why is June taking on John's story arc? They were upset, like Sharon was, about John's demise. But the difference is that they were more upset that somebody else was taking it on for him. It should have ended with John rather than move on to another person. She said, well, let that storyline die. You know, why, why does that arc have to continue? Why can't you think of a new story for, for June? Well, Having somebody I take on John's arc is almost like insulting. This is how deep they're into loving John as a character. But also it says something about like the, the way the season's played out too. Not everybody is liking the anthology style. I it guess seems... I didn't see June taking on John's storyline whatsoever. I don't think so either, by the way. I'm not saying I agree with this, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm acknowledging a, a sentiment, you know, it's, it's, it's something that somebody said, and I thought it was kind of interesting, even though I don't agree with it, but I think it makes it better. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of like it when somebody, I mean, this is what we said about Rick when he left the show is like, how do you take on that gravitas? How do you pass on that gravita gravitas? And I said, well, this is how you do it. You take it and you, you give components of that character to other characters, or you, you make it so that his presence doesn't feel lost he's kind of always there plus his child is there and has traits of him michonne is his partner she takes this on and she takes certain traits from him as well and moves forward so in that he's always kind of there but it does kind of also free people to do bigger and better things the things that they otherwise might not have been able to do had rick been there too which i noticed you know we noticed it all throughout season nine and ten and the story in itself could be way bigger than it ever could be with him on it so you know, and I like that they took on that challenge. And so in that, when we talk about John, okay, and this is why it's so important for me to like not love the characters more than I love the story. Because look, I'm even saying myself, as much as I love Morgan, I am prepared to see, this is what I said in the, the end of season five, I'm fully prepared to see him die. Because if it serves the story and, and it, the story succeeds and does better because that's what they feel it has to be done. Well then, yeah, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't it? If, it, if Morgan has to go crazy and become some sort of big bad because he can't not take on more than he's supposed to well then if it serves the story and if it makes sense logically that it would go in this direction yeah go go don't they're not gonna stop on my account and i wouldn't want them to that's mm -hmm. my point point. and i tried to kind of lean into that direction like why is it so important for it to go this way short of saying what makes you think that you have the right idea i i even said they know exactly how this ends. You're assuming that it has to go in this, that somebody's taking on somebody else's story. But like, I even said, you're assuming that, that John was meant to carry the story from the beginning. Meanwhile, as much as Morgan said in the beginning of the season, oh, I'm, I'm a ghost. You know, I'm, I, Morgan Jones is dead. Like, no, Morgan Jones is clearly alive. If you look at John, John is kind of the ghost here. John is the one who's floating in Lawton, not being able to affect any change. Everything hap that happened would have happened with or without him there. The only problem is he took on some major hits and had to go away. The ghost had to leave. And, and this is the saddest thing of all. You see a ghost walking through a person who would otherwise been a, a human being walking around doing great things, John, not being, being able to affect anything, except for us, like the audience. We're the ones who, who are taking his hit, and, and June, obviously, and Morgan, but like in the fact that he's dead, 
Like he's he was a ghost, but they nobody else realized it until he did die. And that's the saddest part of all. And so you're saying that this was the arc that was owed to him. I'm saying it he was never going supposed to be taking it to begin with. It was always meant for everybody else, mostly June, but everybody else to explore. And you know what? I don't expect to reach everybody. Everybody has their own opinions. Just we serve the story. I mean the story is the most important thing. If anything's that that's going to make sense, you may not get what you want, but you'll like what you get, hopefully. Like if they're doing the story the way they're being faithful to their story if they're doing it the, if they're staying faithful to the story you'll like what you get you may not like, get what you need that's the that's the hallmark you have to not see it coming right otherwise why bother it, well you write the thing and then you satisfy yourself it's like Matt. it's, it's stop masturbating let's let somebody give you a hand you know that's that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying people it's the best part it's not knowing the mistakes they're gonna make but then try to fix <laughs> and with that everybody <laughs> Thank you for watching tonight's episode. Uh, listen, we're not going to cover everything. It, this is a hard one. It, we had some ideas. We threw some things at your feet. If you like what you heard, though, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But if you don't like something, if you do like something, if you have any ideas, if you thought we may have missed something that we should have covered, or if we're just plain wrong and you just don't want us to succeed, just tell us, though. But rate us anyway. One star and five yep. sh poop emojis. Don't just say you're wrong. Say Tell us why. Oh, no, I don't even care. You I just do. Just tell us we're wrong. Tell us so, we're wrong and that you hate our guts. No, I want to argue just, about it. But just keep rating. <laughs> so, so <try laughs> That's the important part. Yeah, yeah. Just keep rating. Keep down rating it. I want to get a one star rating so that pe enough so that people know, like, well, it can't be that bad, right? And then they listen and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, you lower the expectations. Lower the expectations. This is why I say any rating you yeah. give, if you fucking yeah. hit our guts, first of all, you made it to the end of this podcast. So we must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Thank you. since you did, if you really, really like what we're doing, head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead and just follow us. When you do, you'll know when we're recording. You'll know when the unedited episodes drop. You'll know when our Jackbox games sessions start. And if you want to participate, we'll buy us a coffee. That'll give you 30 days of access to our supporter back content. Subscribe to a coffee a month. The party never has to stop. And with that, I guess we're going to be watching uh, John Dory Sr. next week. <laughs> with june i'm so excited a john dory scene so, who happens to be played by keith carradine yeah next week we're gonna have to start recording at like 6 6 p.m because we're probably still gonna go clear through to midnight <laughs> mm. i have a I feeling there will be a lot to talk about next week yay <laughs> i mean we got we got three hours out of this come on you know, we are going to be getting a Talking Dead after this yes. episode, too. But we're going to have, I think, a week break for Memorial Day. I think we get 6.14, and then there's a week uh -oh, break between 15 and 16, and 16 okay. are pushed. We're not going to have a Talking Dead for that weekend. For, for the 15, I think. But I think we are going to get one for 16, because it's the season finale. They usually do a f one for the finale. And as Memorial Day goes, we'll be at uh, the camp, actually. Yep. So we're announcing that officially now at the end of this episode. Uh, and eventually we'll announce it publicly on social media if you're not watching the podcast and some fucking asshole doesn't i don't know why you're not you should be what the hell's right. wrong with you yeah i mean it's this doesn't apply to you because you are actually listening and it, this is the end of the episode so i'm not insulting congratulations you for making you made it. it yeah, yeah. exactly it's for the other people it's yeah. for the other people and they'll other never hear this. not listening so go fuck themselves <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be at the camp <laughs> so uh 
That's that's exciting. I'll probably be bringing some cool little goodies, hopefully. With Sharony. And Sh- of course, Sharony. Oh. I, I honestly wouldn't go without her. To be honest, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we bullied her into. This is the funny part: is that we bullied into into going so that we could. I could go. I wasn't gonna go without her. To be honest. <laughs> you just sent me by myself. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, friends. Totally send you by yourself. I have such great friends. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel I can just I can feel the love. What else is there to say <laughs> after that? Have good a good night, night. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Take care everybody. Bye. Oh my god.